Welcome to the most uncontroversial podcast in the history of podcasts, as we are going to get controversial because there seems to be controversy everywhere. It's the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Go to Bike911.com. Talk to your boy, our boy, Alex Asante. If you need some legal help, he's there to help you, especially if you're a motorcyclist. He speaks your language. All right? He gets in there. He knows he's gonna have he's gonna have to help me this week because I got I literally said a week ago I got to get a hold of him but I've been on the road but I'm calling Alex this week. Oh, he's been so, texting yeah, us got about it. the podcast. We 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 owe him something. You know, a little a little tickle, a little hey, I doing hey Alex, I doing. Thanks how for supporting doing? the podcast. All right, you like this podcast? You need some legal help? Go support Alex. Bike nine one one dot com. Jason Pridmore is with me. That's the voice you heard. Jason Pridmore, we're coming off of a busy week ourselves. Plus, there was racing everywhere. Yeah, and I know, like, we just got back from Atlanta. It was, I mean, I don't remember in Atlanta being as perfect as it was this week, uh, weather-wise. We just had perfect weather. It gave all of our competitors a good chance to get solid dry weather under warm conditions to get, you know, there were some teams there that were still, I mean, this was their first race of the season, some of them. So it was good that they had the ability to go there. Obviously, with Junior Cup, it was our first race of the year for all them. And now we kind of got an idea who the contenders are going to be, what great races those were. I know it's never good when Greg walks into the booth after, you know, on Sundays, I try to stay away from the computer if there's World Superbike or MotoGP. I literally don't. Greg knows. I don't watch. <laughs> Greg doesn't care. He just looks at the results. He doesn't care. I like to watch the races kind of not knowing. But Greg comes in and goes, you're going to be so pissed when you watch whatever race it was. And I'm like, I'm sure. Maybe it was Moto Two or something. He's like, "You're Moto, gonna be Moto so pissed." Moto Two, yeah, Moto Two. And I'm like, "Oh, all right. What? What? what don't am tell I me. See? Don't tell what me. Am I, what am I gonna, gonna witness? I just, I just tell you one thing. I just tell you one thing. It's the sickest no. race here. I just yeah, love no, I, it I'm when a... it, it never fails. If somebody has seen something, they've got to come in and go. Oh my god, I got to take. No, I don't want to know. I don't want to even know that it's. I just be boring. Just let me go watch it. Just I don't want to know that there's anything that I got to be looking out for because I'm probably gonna see the same damn thing you do. Probably. Yeah, probably. probably. So so obviously you heard, look, we're going to talk about Moto America. We're going to talk MotoGP, World Superbike, a little bit of Supercross because the championship is wrapped up. I mean, a lot of stuff to talk about. If you want it's going to be an eight Patreon, and a half hour long podcast, basically. It better not be. Yeah? That two-hour <laughs> two catastrophe last weekend, by the way, which a lot of people are touting is our best podcast. If you're finding us for the first time and you want to hear uh, multi-time world champ Jonathan Ray reveal some big secrets and... I, it was a really good podcast. I mean, I, I'm sure you heard a lot of positive things about last week's podcast with Steve English and Jonathan Ray. Can't thank those guys enough, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that that they uh, that they care about our podcast enough to come on. Um, you know, it's like this week we obviously, you know, we were thinking about getting Joe Roberts on, but he's he's got races in between. Um, you know, he's got he's got he went straight from Portimao to Jerez. Which, I by the way, podcast too. By the way, you know, like he did well, the MotoGP podcast on Twitch, and I watched some of that, so I know he's just slammeruski. You know, he slammed uh, what he did this last weekend. You know, um, was amazing. I'm so pumped that he won. Everybody's like, "Oh, well, these guys were out, and that guy doesn't matter." I mean, matter. unfortunately, unfortunately, the way the rules are over there, they're so stupid that that you know, having to get your bike back within five minutes and all that crap. You, you know, you eliminate your field. And now Sorry. everybody, you know why I said to Jason, wait till you see Moto2, you're going to be pissed. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's like, come on, man. 
But the regard, regardless, somebody had to win that race, and you can't condemn them for that. And I just think that Joe, what he did, and as long as he's been over there and struggling and being on different teams and blah blah blah, I mean, huge congrats to Joe. But and, and but yeah, we'll other, get into it. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Okay, because there's other perspective too. I'll, I'll we'll definitely talk about it. I mean, you know, since since our boys are in Moto Two, Joe Roberts wins the race. And the Cameron Bobier situation, I spoke with him. We're probably going to massage Moto2 a little more than we normally do because there's really good things that we need to talk about in that category. Uh, if you want to support the channel, go to patreon.com, Greg's Garage TV. Um, there is, uh, for the Patreon, there's an interview that I'm, I'm going to post uh, with Petrucci that I did. It's a 33-minute interview. And I had a really, really good time with, with Petrucci. Um, and it was really nice, but now I just have absolute the shits with him right now. So with the stuff that he talked about over the weekend and just shit on Moto America. So, um, but you know, whatever. Wow. Um, Listen to Greg getting controversial. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's our platform to really talk about this one. And I think Petrucci made a mistake and, and, um, you know, as much as you want to retract your mistake, I mean, the damage is done at this point, but we'll talk yeah. about it. So that's what we're going to talk about. So um, It's kind of like every series before Greg and I came on, we're like, Moto America had some weird stuff happen this weekend, like with, with Kayla and the Junior Cup. Moto GP had weird stuff happening with the Moto 2 incident on the weekend. And World Superbike, I mean, with Johnny and Top Rat cleaning each other out. And I'm really looking forward to getting into your take on that. I know what I feel. And... Um, it's like all three championships this weekend that ran all had these kind of controversial type of things. I mean, I mean, yeah. So let's you know, let's just get into it. I'm 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 excited for this week's podcast. It's nice to be home. I'm still broken up, G Dub, from my little incident. I, I think I I think I fractured my wrist. I don't know. It's not good. So, um, and we'll get into Greg parking underneath trucks and all kinds of cool things. I don't think you know? we're going to get into that. No. So, <laughs> but let me do this while we're at it. You know, yeah. since uh, we're not really going to go with news, obviously, this week because there's the news is racing. But so we're going to do the we're going to start with Moto America, and so the Moto America weekend wrap up segment segment is presented by Arai. So hey, summer, if you live in the northern hemisphere, is almost here. Run down to your dealership, grab yourself an Arai helmet. Why? I don't know because they're real high quality. You got uh, liners you can. You can wash them. You got great uh, vision. The eye holes are bigger, so you can see out the top. You know what I mean? Jason Pridmore right now is taking a selfie for God knows what reason. Go down to a dealership. Grab yourself an Arai helmet. Get fitted properly. The proper fitment on a helmet is absolutely wicked. Wicked important, people. All right. Grab a dealer. Arai helmets. Go visit AraiAmericas.com. Check out. They got some new colorways coming. There's some new paint jobs. All right. They're starting to launch these 2022s. Go down and get yourself a helmet. All right. Enough of that. Please tell me that you've got it to where you can throw Johnny's Arai read up there again someday if we had to. Yes. I'm good. I'm going to clip that off. Next week, next week, we'll do Johnny's read. How's that? It's so funny you say that, Jay, because I was thinking the same thing right before. Like while you were talking, I actually wasn't listening to you. I was thinking, man, it'd be cool if I clip off Johnny's thing. So, hey, guess what? Everybody, uh, everybody's a producer. All right, let's start off with some Superbike in Moto America, the Badalia Superbike class. And in that class, I, I, why, 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 why do I have Superbike? I mean, what we do know is that Petrucci 
Danilo Petrucci won race one over Matthew Skoltz by 1.4 seconds. Jake Lewis was 29 seconds back. Then you had Hector Barbara, Richie Escalante, Kyle Wyman in sixth as a fill-in rider. Uh, Corey Alexander, first of our stock 1,000 bikes. Hayden Gillum, Ashton Yates, and Travis Wyman. In race number two, it was Gagney. Jake Gagney. His, his teammate, Cam Peterson. So back to the fresh and lean progressive Yamaha winning ways. Kyle Wyman in third on the Titlers cycle racing. Their first as a team. Not bad in their second race week or, yeah, second race weekend ever. Hector Barber, Escalante, Corey Alexander, Ashton Yates, Travis Wyman, David Anthony, and Jeff May on Division Wheel Discount Tire KWS Honda. That's a CBR 1000RR-R SP2 thingamajiggy bobber. Mm. Our point situation has Petrucci leading by 15 points. Jason, as you noticed, no Petrucci in race two, no Matthew Skultz in race two. Listed in the results. Jason, take it away. Well, there were some big winners and some big losers. There were some there was definitely some when you look at it, Greg, I think uh I mean, I don't even know where to start. It, it seems like we got this really, you know, the buildup to the year was, man, it's going to be so great having Danilo here, which it is. And it's going to be so great seeing him go to head head with Gagne. And we haven't seen that yet, which is funny, right? I mean, Gagne didn't do the first race at Coda. And second race, he was pretty far back uh, on a day where I think that, uh, you know, the attack team just wanted to finish that race. Uh, they finished third and fourth. And then we go here and... Really, it was a it was a bad weekend for Attack, and then it was a great weekend for them on Sunday because the two main contenders, Skoltz and Danilo, don't finish Sunday's race to kind of let Gagne right back in. I mean, I think anytime G Dub, when you have somebody as dominant as Gagne has been, you just can't give up those points, right? You can't. Um, everybody, I mean, on the weekend, it it's when I saw Jake crash in turn five. On the first day, I was pretty surprised. I don't know about you, but I just like you and I are calling the action. It was like, whoa, that just happened. Um, what was the? I can't remember, and I don't want to put you on the spot. But race lap record there, lap time wise, I think you said was like a twenty three four or something. Was I can't 20, remember. Was it was a twenty four flat? Was oh, the, was it oh, tw- that? 20, they went twenty three seven. Twenty three seven was the out was the outright lap record, and then Gagne went twenty three four. In and then he, so and then he went twenty, and he went twenty three eight on the lap that he ended up. The, the you know he went twenty three eight in the race, and then he fell. And see that's you know, he the was, thing. That's the thing I don't understand. That's that's what I thought. But Petrucci ended up in the results. I think with the fastest lap of the race, and it was slower than what Gagne actually did. And that's I'm I'm a little baffled by that one because someone posted up about it, and I was like, no, that's not true. Gagne actually went faster than twenty three nine. So it says that Petrucci did twenty three nine three four. Uh, and that was the fastest lap of the race. But I know that Gagne... I thought went, he went 3.8 or something, but it doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of well, the day... He went, he went... See, this is the thing. It literally says in the results that he went 123.921, yeah. which is faster than a 9.34. Correct. So I don't understand how Gagne doesn't get credit with the fastest lap of the race. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway. They don't get any points for it anyways. But, you know, the thing is, is that... Yeah. Right off the bat on Friday morning, Cam sent one up on the fence in turn one, Cam Peterson, and kind of put him on his back foot with a with a hand injury. He didn't get to qualify. And then when race one came around on Saturday, Gagne goes out and flings it. Cam Peterson goes out and flings it. 
right off the bat, two of our, our main guys are, are out. So it opened the door for Jake Lewis to come in and finish third, which I was really happy to see those guys get on the podium. I thought that was fantastic. Matthew Skultz rode so well that first day and just couldn't quite bridge the gap to Petrucci, even though he tried after the race, Petrucci uh, had said that he'd got stuck behind a couple of um, back markers and that helped Skoltz close the gap. I think Skoltz actually said that. But um, but then, so all of a sudden, you and I are sitting there looking and on Saturday, Greg and I are looking at each other and we're like, man, I'm so bummed that the championship's playing out the way it is right now because one guy's won all three races. We don't. We would have said the same thing if Gagne had won the first three races and Petrucci had not finished two out of the first three. We would have said the same thing. But it basically, Cam's demise in the first race was was a shame. But Matthew has been doing such a great job that it would be good if Matthew could get a better start to get right up behind whoever the leader is off the start because he makes his makes that that first half of the race a little hard for himself because he's trying to chase down the leaders. Um, it, it had been he had been getting better starts. I mean, he right. led Coda, you know, which was I think one of his first times into Turn One. So, Correct. you know, it's that's one of those things. But just in Atlanta, yeah, I'm talking get, about he's, he's getting better. Get, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Didn't get the start. He's getting better, but yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is that once you come out of Turn One there at Road Atlanta, it's pretty hard to do anything with guys going up that hill because it just gets so narrow and so one lined up at the top of the hill. Um, so it makes it a little harder. So, you know, I think for the first day's result, um, you know, Petrucci, the, the, the worst part for me about the whole Petrucci thing was the, you know, Hannah asked him a question. The first thing he does is bitch about back markers. And it's like, dude, you just won, you've won your third race in a row, <laughs> you know, uh, for a team. And this, that begin, never, this begins my comment earlier. That, that, that's where that it starts for you've, me. You've won three races in a row for a team that's never won before that deserves to win. Those guys have been working hard. The last thing you need to do is bitch about the series and the back markers. Um, first comment. Like to me, all you're really doing if you go on and win the championship is you're just defacing yourself because it's gonna seem like if, if you're if you're gonna do that kind of stuff, it just doesn't make sense to me that that's his first comments. Um, and I think that when you look at all the love that Danilo has. Uh, from when he retired over in MotoGP. It looked like everybody just loved the guy, and he seems like a great guy. Uh, I don't know him yet, um, but 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 it's not a good look. The first thing you do is bitch about backmarkers. I mean, unfortunately, when you're not racing MotoGP anymore, anywhere in the world that you go, it doesn't matter where you go, any national championship, you're probably going to be faced with slower guys. You're going to end up having to deal with that. And if you weren't prepared for that coming in, then you're not prepared, period. So I was a little bit bummed at that. I think you were too. And that kind of was just the start of things for me um, on that note, because I'm I'm actually really happy to see another team winning and leading, and it's going to make our championship really, uh, really good. Um, but I thought race one, you know, we were hoping that race two was going to be quite a bit better than race one. And it, and it didn't materialize for the opposite reasons. Um, Gagne goes on to win that one by a big margin over his teammate, Cam Peterson. Third on that race, Kyle Wyman. I mean, kind of another story of the weekend for me. I mean, the fact that Kyle is allowed to go ride a BMW, even though he's a factory Harley rider. Right now, everybody needs to go buy Harley Davidson's. That is the coolest thing that you can do, is allow your rider the opportunity to still go ride Superbike 
huge kudos to Harley Davidson for that. Couldn't agree more on, on pretty much everything that you said there. So with the Petrucci stuff, I think it, you know, it, I understand he shows up to road Atlanta and he says to me, this place is the most dangerous track I've ever been to. I understand that road Atlanta is not the safest track. And then you have the situation with the back markers. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, like, you know, I know he thinks that these back markers are being unprofessional, but on the other hand, my guess is that Petrucci's not paying his entry fee and that the back markers are paying their own entry fees and that they're out there doing their thing, racing, whether it's trying to learn, live a dream. I mean, you and I have, you know, private conversations about that situation on the side. This is coming from a professional back marker, by the way. So sp- no doubt. spit your I words mean, out, G-Dub. You know, <laughs> hey, listen, I was, I, I had a tagline for a lot of years, right? Back of the pack road racer. I mean, that was my thing, I guess. Yeah, but the thing um, is though, you got to realize, I mean, that's where I think Baz was, Baz was great. I mean, other than Brainerd, I don't really remember Baz bitching too much. Like Loris was such a endearing guy and and he was always there and he was always standing out in front for everybody to kind of see and say hi to if they chose um haven't got that feeling yet from danilo and i again don't know and i'm don't know him no but i mean it's it's bad mouth he spent 12 years in in moto gp yeah he's used to a certain level i understand that i understand that what you're saying is hey you come to a domestic series you have to understand that it's not moto gp I think the biggest thing, and this plays into race number two and the red flag that happened after Jeremy Coffey crashed and the red flag because the power went out in the TV truck, is in MotoGP, they are, they are basically, their, their, their entire program runs around the schedule. It, they send out a world feed and they just don't care. If you're the, the, the host broadcasting network, uh, host broadcasting country, you know, let's say us, we have commercials in our racing and they do not, they don't have commercials. They just run a feed. They don't care. So they can say, all right, we don't really care what happens with TV. This is our schedule. This is what we're doing. Plus we only have three classes, right? The MotoGP has three classes. Yep. They get an hour break more or less in between the races as they set them up. I mean, it's a, it's a schedule that makes sense. We're not like that. Yep. We packed in how many classes, six classes this weekend, you know, in twins cup, they had a crash and that set everything on a, you know, a red flag and that set everything after it. For you know, for the next couple races anyway, into a tizzy. Well, when the TV truck goes down, which there isn't a person in the world that could predict that that was going to happen, and there's not a person in the world that wanted that to happen. No. Just before <laughs> the race gets restarted, you're going to have to shut it down. And to to get on Instagram and to leave that post up that he put within an the, hour of the race, yeah, by the way, with him with his leathers over his shoulder, walking away like, where are you going? You know what I mean? You leaving? And then to really just shit all over the whole experience to the world and then have European journalists that pile on that haven't been to our series. Yeah. And, well, yeah, it's the worst. It's like when you don't... My problem is when you don't understand what's going on, okay? One of the reasons Moto America exists and one of the reasons that these teams, a huge reason why these teams get to go is because of video, because it's on TV, because it's on Live Plus, because it streams later you know, on YouTube. It's, it's massively important. You can't start a race, but it happened just at the last minute. And it's not like everyone's prepared for it. It's not like there's a line item in the rule book that says if the if the TV truck loses power within 20 seconds, we will shut this race down. People were like, what? What's going on? They're on the radio trying to figure stuff out. And it was a minute and five seconds that they were on on the grid kind of ready to go. Well, let's I, let's let's go back a second, because, Greg, I just want to because a lot of people don't know the timeline. And you and I talked about it yesterday. But Greg and I were sitting there after Jeremy Coffey had crashed the red flag, which, by the way, was the best thing that could have happened on this day. 
Yeah, they, we got, yeah, in a way, we goodness, got really lucky. And I'm glad Jeremy's okay. But that sure. was probably the best thing that could have happened because the thing would have gone down eight or nine laps into the race. Okay, so let's just go back and we have the red flag. Greg and I are sitting there. They're doing the cleanup. They're doing their thing. The bikes get sent out for the siding lap. Okay, so Greg and I are getting ready to come back on air and everything goes black. Everything shuts off. The riders come to the grid. And, and what was amazing to me about you in this particular case is... You have such a great feel for TV. You have such a great knowledge of stuff. And I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. I thought, Greg's going to lose his mind right now. And you looked at me and you kind of went like, well, I've never seen this happen before. Like, this is, <laughs> like, I don't, like, like you were very, like, calm in the whole thing. Like, oh, like, this is, this is not good. But, but you were like, well, we knew they weren't going to start the race. So the writers come to the grid. They get to the grid and then they are, they are told, go back to your pit box. So the riders go down pit lane or go down the front straightaway, come back around and get into their pit box. Now, when the race gets ready to go back out, basically what ended up happening is Jake Lewis had missed the siding lap by about a, few, a couple seconds. So he gets back after the siding lap when we do the, you know, the then they come around and do the grid and go. He comes back around because um, he missed the siding, comes on his warm-up lap and goes to his original grid spot. Somebody did try to catch him at the back of the grid, but they missed him because that's where he had to start for missing the siding lap or being late for it, okay? So basically, what ends up happening is they push Jake Lewis back. And that yeah, was the decision is made immediately to push him to the back yes. of the grid. So there's about there's 70 seconds there, okay? There's a minute and 10 seconds there where the grid has to sit there. The problem I have is that Petrucci says they were on the grid for five minutes with their engines running. And that's not true. That is 100% not true. So he's sending that out there to the world to see, like, oh, my God, they made these guys sit on the grid with their motors running for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Any any journalist that believes that that could be a possibility, there's zero chance that we'd make guys sitting on the grid for five minutes, okay? There was one bike, Greg, that I know of that overheated and didn't rate, finish the race, and that was his. Everybody else's bikes finished. If you look at the results, the only guy I don't know, I don't know exactly what happened to Jake Lewis, but because he, he did like six laps before he didn't before he came off the track. He got himself up into like seventh or eighth, I think, before his whatever happened to him. And I don't know what happened to Matt Kuna in that second race. Every other bike that didn't finish that race all crashed out. Every one of them. So the only bike we saw go up in smoke was Danilo's. That's it. And they weren't out on the grid for five minutes. So that to me, that to me sucked because I hadn't, I had, you had just dropped me off at the airport. I'd gone through, I had got to, uh, I'd gone through security and it might've even been while I was waiting in the line at TSA that I saw his post. And I'm like, this guy just got online and did this within 40 minutes after the race. And Greg, this kind of goes back to what I believe Dorna puts a muffle on these guys. Dorna muffles all of their riders, everybody, because there's no way you would see a post like that from a MotoGP rider if something that they didn't feel was right uh, could happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. I'm sitting there going like... Well, then so then, he, then he does a retraction, right? Correct. Then he does, right. But yet the, the, the original post is still up. And that's the thing. If you really feel bad about the post, if you really said, oh, that was done off of emotion, why don't you take the post down? Well, I mean, regardless of any of that, it's it's, just, the, it's a simple... No, 
Well, we I mean, what I'm saying is it's yeah. simple. Yeah, you're 100% right. So, 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 and in the algorithms, the way this thing works, the, the you know, that original post is... Go- anyway, look, the bottom line is this, Jason. Moto America has worked really hard yep. over the last seven years to, to turn this series around. And it is turning around. It's turning around in a big way. Record sales, you know, in terms of tickets, attendance here or there... You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we, we had so many riders trying oh. to race in the paddock. They had them on top of the, outside of the thing. And now, look, if you're a professional series, I'm not concerned really about how many people enter races. But what I am saying is, is that you understand the popularity of your series is increasing if more people are trying to make the grid. Uh, there's no question about it. So all these things are moving in the right direction. And it feels like, from the comments that I read from people in the European press, that in that one post, because of his reach... They're just looking for an excuse to shit on Moto America. And the part that I have the problem with is what you said earlier. Dude, you're leading this championship. If you win the championship, you have diminished the importance of this championship. So you've wasted your entire year and your team and everybody else who puts effort into making this thing a good show. Things happen. Okay, we have to take commercial breaks. We have to put this stuff on TV. We have to do all these things because that's the way it works in the U.S. Sponsors are critical to getting this whole thing rolling. And it's like, you don't want to run a race without that stuff. And so my my contention is with, with Petrucci is not that he is express, you know speaking out. I mean, I, I, I love that. But number one, understand what it is you're complaining about before you do it. Just a little bit, man. You just got here. And it's like, you, you all you're doing is going, well, this is the world championship. I mean, think about it, Jay. MotoGP just did their 500th MotoGP race as Dorna mm-hmm. yeah. at Coda. How long is that? I think it's 40 years, right? Or something like that with, with Dorna. 40 years. They tweak 30, and right? change. 92. 30 years? 30. Oh, is, it yeah. 90, is it 30? Yeah. 92. You're making, us, you're making us a lot older than we are. Uh, 92. So 30 years. <laughs> is 30 years they've had. No, 92, 02, 12, 1, 2. 22. 22. So there's 20. Yeah, you're right. You should be right. 30 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm 52 years old. And you were born in 69. 30 years ago, I'd be 22. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. So, yeah. I mean, my, my point is, is that Dorna, who gets to go to racetracks around the world that are, majority of them are owned by municipalities that understand the economic impact that MotoGP has, that will put resources into a track... Versus where we go to in the U.S., where all of our tracks are privately owned. Motorcycle racing isn't necessarily the biggest draw for some of these tracks we go to. We don't have a ton of influence. You can't turn around to a private track owner and just say, hey, man, we're not coming back unless you repave this place like GP can do to Coda. Right? Like, it's just, it's a different world we live in. We have a different level of rider here and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, is there, is there any leeway in his book? And while well, he's doing this, this is coming down, from a guy that just why. got done doing the Perry Dakar. <laughs> yeah. Well, he talks about dangerous. I mean, he come on. Dakar. Like, like <laughs> I understand a, it. I get it. One. I used to say a long time ago, and, and uh, I used to say anybody that races the Isle of Man doesn't really have a say so much on track safety stuff because you're hanging out at the Isle of Man, and I get it. It's a different type of racing. But if you go do the Northwest 200 or Isle of Man or Macau, it's pretty hard for you to be a critic of what rider safety could possibly be because at the end of the day, it's one of those things where we know you've gone and done something so much gnarlier than, than anything. But 
I'm not, and I'm not, I, I want people to know, and Greg and I, I think, are the same on this. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm excited to have Danilo here. I'm pumped to have him here. But I think that it's a bad narrative in the second round of the year to be bad mouth in the series. I just don't think it's a good way to go. And I hope that that gets corrected or fixed because he's going to go to some other tracks that aren't up even to the standards of Atlanta, in my opinion. Okay. I agree. Yeah. I don't think Atlanta's the safest place. I, I've said that for years, though. Um, but you got to race it where we can kind of go and race. You know, I, it'd be great, Greg, if we could go to mid-Ohio. But we can't because the surface is, is shit. And they can't move well, barriers. The back, the back section, to be, yeah, the back yeah, section is they, dangerous. And... They can't move barriers. We should be racing there, but we can't because it's too dangerous. Um, that said, it's like it when you go to a national series anywhere in the world, you go to BSB. There are tracks over there that are just dangerous. They're not. They're not great. Like, but they race at them. So, I just think that you got to be a little bit careful. Now you're in a series where obviously you're you have the freedom to speak whatever you want. Where you've just come from 15 years in a paddock that I I dare say that if you speak poorly of Dorna or anything, your sponsorship opportunities and your ability to stay within the paddock are probably going to be short lived. So, it's one of those things where, you know. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting to see how it moves forward. Now, the second thing I want to talk about on the weekend was the missed opportunity for Matthew because I have been pretty high on Matthew Skultz, and I think he's a tremendous rider. I think he's got a great team. Those guys work hard. They've been extremely loyal. I was really bummed to see him tip off in turn 10 uh, in the second race because Petrucci's out. If he finishes second there, he leads the points, leads the championship. Skultz does, heading off to VIR, a track I think he'll be strong at. And I was bummed because these are the mistakes that you've got to try to start to eliminate. These are the ones we've seen him make in the past, any more than we've seen Ben Smith in the Supersport category that we'll talk about in a minute make the same mistakes. I think both these guys are hugely talented, but these are the little mistakes that they got to stop doing because it impacts them so hard. And when you've got Gagne out in front, who you've got a gigantic points lead on, I know no rider wants to accept second, but Gagne was up the road two or three seconds already at that point. And Greg, let's just be fair. Is anybody going to catch Gagne at that point when he's got three seconds up the road? No. I mean, especially with Pertucci out, who we know possibly could have caught him. No, because you know that he's in already entire conservation mode, and if you were to catch him and push him, he's just he's got some left. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, look, it's so easy to Monday quarterback this, but... Matthew went out Sunday morning and tipped off in morning warm-up, which is, man, it's such a hard thing to do um, to your crew because now the next time you're on the bike is when you actually race it. You, that's it. You're done. You, you, they, they hope that they get everything back together the best they can, which it looked like they had. Um, that said, it looked like when there was a red flag that Matthew was coming across the line like maybe something wasn't right. Um, but then to go out and crash was so devastating for him and that team, and the championship for them. I know it's the second round, but you have your the guy who's leading the championships out of the race, and the guy who is way behind in the championship that can go on these huge winning streaks, you're ahead of him too. What's your take on all that? Pretty much the same. I think the cardinal sin is crashing and warm-up because with a one-bike rule, <laughs> there's so many wires and you know harness this and electronic bits and that. And you just don't know. It's it's like an internal injury in a way. You, you can't see it. You know, foot pegs and yes. body work and swing arms. Those, Clip-ons those things, and 
Yeah. Yeah. Those things have, I mean, the crew, I was down there when they brought the bike in and, you know, there was mud packed everywhere and those guys were hustling and all that kind of stuff. But you leave so much to chance nowadays with the way these electronics are that with a one bike rule, I agree with you, Jay. It's like, it's not that the crew's going to miss anything. They're very confident. But what you don't know is, did a wire get pinched? Did something happen right. here? Did a, a ground come loose? It, and so that's, I think, the, the cardinal sin starts when he, act, you know, threw it down the road in morning warm-up and sent the crew to repair it. And you take the chance of, of what happened. Um, but even if none of that happened, you know, he, he put a pass on, on uh, Cam Peterson, which I thought was a good pass. But the bottom line for him was he just couldn't get it to the apex. And he was a little off the race line. And it was too much on the break. And he tossed yep. it down the road. Yeah, you know, I'm willing. I, it, I'm willing to give Matthew a, a pass. I mean, not like I'm the judge and jury. I mean, who who cares on that? But <clears throat> in the race situation, I go. I totally get it. Oh yeah. The issue. The the issue comes down in when do you start thinking? Well, hey man, Skoltz is out. Let me just hang back here. Wait. You know, that second place. Petrucci's out. You mean? Or, sorry, Petrucci's out. Yeah. I got one. I got one bike length away from second place with Cameron Peterson. I've caught him. I'm good. Let me hang back here and see where we are and not push the issue and see how this whole race plays out because obviously Gagne's gone. There's no chance that I'm I'm going to... And maybe that... It's hard to reel Gagne in from three seconds or two seconds, whatever it was on the I fifth mean, lap. I mean, and, and Skultz could have. You know, like the well, one we thing just I can say is know. that yeah. if he didn't try, if Skultz didn't try and push Gagne, then Gagne would have his tire wear exactly the way he wants it. If Skultz took it to three seconds, down to one and a half seconds, and Gagne responded, we saw what happened... In race one, when Petrucci was right on his tailpipe and put the pressure on after breaking the track record, Gagne ends up tossing it on the ground. So, yeah, it's it's a very interesting situation. We are Monday morning, whatever, armchair quarterback, yeah. Monday morning, QB in it, understand all that stuff. What we would have rather seen, which would have been great, was Skultz walk away leading this championship. Petrucci on his back foot by a point or two. It'd be 10 points, Gagne, I think, right? Because he was 15 points been 10, back. Yeah. 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 Anyways, I mean, the thing is, is it's, it's, and if you look at Matthew, what sucks for Matthew is it just seems like every weekend there's, if it's not Gagne, it's, it's in this case, the first day it's Petrucci and it, and at Coda, it was Petrucci that just, it's like Matthew's right on the cusp of being able to win these races. Um, he's capable of winning these races. He wants to win these races. He's such an emotional rider that that you know you see when he has little problems or he has an off, he gets a little bit uh, frustrated. You know what's funny is, and and it was hard for us to cover it because we focused on the battle for third, but you know Greg when he got back up and got going again, he was running. Who? Uh, Matthew Skoltz. Mm-hmm. When Skoltz got back up and started running again, he was he was running the same lap times as Gagne. He was between yeah. Gagne and Peterson on the racetrack. And got himself, I think, up to 16th, and I'm not sure what got what took him off the track with five or six to go, which was a shame. But it, he didn't do a lot of damage to that bike at the time. It didn't appear. So I'm just bummed for him and the team, and I hope that they move forward. I think VIR will be a great place for the Westby guys. Um, and uh, and I think moving forward, it, he's going to be there all year. I just felt bad that there was a big chunk of points on the table that were, that were left. Um, so it was a shame. I think... When we start talking about super sport, did you have anything you wanted to add on Superbike? No, no, not. I mean, obviously the Kyle Wyman thing was a good thing. Third That's place great. for the Titlers, you know, all that kind of stuff. He finished, Kyle did finish closer 
in third place, closer than third place finished in race number one by I think I can't remember. It was like five seconds. seconds it was twenty nine seconds. It, I it, think Lewis was back. Twenty four. That's right. Twenty four. Yeah. And I talked to Kyle yesterday, and we were laughing because I said, "What do you think the odds are in Vegas if you were a gambling man, which I'm not? If uh, what do you think the odds were at the big? <laughs> what was the what were the odds at the beginning of the year that Kyle Wyman was going to be the first Titlers?" Cycle superbike rider on the podium. No, what what were the odds that Kyle Wyman <laughs> would stand on a superbike podium? Period. Period. I mean, period. Like, he wouldn't he, he, he didn't even have a ride. It's you know? it's so crazy to think about it in the sense that um, that that like Harley just said Harley's put a lot of time and effort and money into Kyle and kind of made him a uh, he's part of the he's part of Harley's future, and yet they still realize superbike is is important to him and. You know, Greg, it's funny because way back in the day in 98, I had some issues with uh, with some things that were going on at Suzuki that weren't really of Suzuki's um, fault. And they let me go ride a Ducati. And I was getting paid good money to ride for Suzuki. And they let me go ride for Vance and Heinz Ducati. And I thought, how incredible is that? Like, that's amazing. And it was because of the boss I had, Mel Harris at the time. Um, rest Who in peace, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it just makes me sad. But Melvis. he allowed Melvis, yeah, he allowed me the opportunity to go jump on a superbike. And I forever grateful for that. Um but I thought that what Kyle did, what a great weekend. I mean, he he said it to me yesterday. He's like, Jay, we had all three brothers, all the all the Wyman brothers, they were on four podiums this weekend, which is pretty cool when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that when you look back, it's gonna Kyle's now put himself on the list of if something happens where somebody is sick like PJ Jacobson this weekend or somebody gets hurt or whatever the case is, Kyle's going to be the guy that a lot of people are going to seek out to put on their bikes. And I think he's well, in a he, great great position. Here's the thing about Kyle that's more interesting than anything else. Having run his own program for 10 years, there was always mm-hmm. a question mark if Kyle had speed because we know that it's just been up and down for him, more down than up, I would say, when he's running his own superbike program. And understandably, you know, trying to be the owner, the manager, and the rider of the team, you know, when you're trying to get sponsorship and design what the bike's going to look like, you're not training. Now right. Kyle's in a position as factory Harley-Davidson rider, and he's got enough resources, making money instead of spending money, where he can concentrate on doing the things that make him a racer. Then you pluck him onto a superbike. And I said it in the broadcast, and I think he kind of alluded to it after the fact. It's like, Dude, just the, or I heard, maybe I read about it. Um, I think Sean Bice maybe talked about it. Moto America, Sean Bice talked about it. Post-race press conference that they have. That what can Kyle do if Kyle was given the opportunity to just be a rider? You know, and that's, I mean, you know, on a bike that's what? Let me tell you what Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle's life right now is so good, G-Dub. He's got a fifth wheel trailer that he is traveling the country Okay. Yeah, he's up. The, he's up the street from me right now. He is. Yeah, he's not far from you. I think he's going to North Carolina to do the to do a champ school or something like that. So his life right now is he's kind of like he was at Hunter Dunham's house the week prior to Atlanta, and he's doing turn track riding, and he's you know he can train whenever he wants. I think train. Hannah's with him all the time, and he's just Hannah. hanging out. I mean, training Good and Hannah real. are already those are perfect. That's a good Boom. combo right off the Boom. bat. And then it's like all he needs is a dog. He's right enjoying. Hannah. He's enjoying. He's he a dog. He just right, needs Hannah? a dog. Make, get him Hannah ten. Get, get him dog. ten dogs. Get him, well, Hannah needs a dog. She wants a dog. Get up. Get her. A dog. Get, a, get her a dog, Kyle. Uh, the thing is, is that his life right now is good. He's he's training. He's golfing. He's hanging out. He's 
kind of mapping out where he wants to be, what he wants to do. Like at VIR, he doesn't have any writing duties at all. Road America, he does, and, and then he goes to the Ridge where he doesn't. So it's like we're making plans ourselves, him and I, just to tee it up a few places. But the thing is, is that <laughs> all the time that he spent when he got off the bike before was, okay, now I got to get my semi truck and trailer to the next round, and when are we going to work on the bikes, and how are we going to do it, and I got to order parts, and I didn't have to do that shit anymore. So, mm-hmm. man, it is amazing when you can just enjoy your life, and that's what he's doing, and for him All right, to one more thing third, about Superbike before yeah. we, you know, before yeah. we get off the uh, Cameron Peterson. If you could sit Cam Peterson down right now and give him some advice, what advice would you give Cam P? You know, I actually want to call Cam. Yesterday I battled with it all day. Do I call him? Do I not call him? And, and, and just to talk to him as a friend. Um, love him. Absolutely just, love him. I love that the dude. guy, man. He's and he rides guy. so well. He's such a good rider. But. There's a lot His of pressure. Off-season testing. There's yeah. a lot His of within. off-season testing was wicked fast. Yeah, you know, the team believe Real- in him. Yep. He's the thing is with Cam is Cam's just got to get out of Cam's way a little bit. He's got bit. to start getting that stop the pressure from within happening. You're there. You've made it. You're on a great team. Like I don't think that anybody from Attack right now is putting the pressure on Cameron that you have to go win races. I don't think that is the case. So the pressure that you get as a rider from within when you feel like you're on the best bike out there is you got to win now. you got to win everything. And Let me ask you this. Yeah. Stamboli's his crew chief. Obviously, yeah. he's team owner. It doesn't matter. But as a crew chief, what is, the what is in your estimation, the number one thing that Stamboli wants to see out of his riders each week? Is it a result? Is it a lap time? What do you think? I don't think necessarily. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. This is, this is what I think, okay? Just from being around Stamboli for years. I think the most important thing for Richard, more than anything else, is that you're putting in the effort, that you're showing, the, that you're, you're showing up to the races fit, that while you're there, you're working your ass off, all that kind of stuff, right? Isn't I, that... I couldn't agree with you more. Like, like Richard, at the deal, end of the day, Richard puts every single thing he can into a race program, right? If he gets beat, yep. he goes back to the drawing board to figure out what he could do to give his riders and make it better for them. That's what he does. Yep. If a rider comes in and gets beat and says, Richard, I'm really trying and I'm dedicating, you know, Richard responds to that. Like it's not about yeah. if you're if you're if you are a mess on that team, it's gonna get it's gonna be it's gonna become uh, an issue because Richard puts twenty four seven into this thing. He expects and the thing the same that from Cameron, his riders, you know, the thing that Cameron is he's doing all that. He is dedicated. He looks fit. He's a good rider. Like he's working hard at it. You know what I'm yep. saying? Of course. So it's like. From the standpoint of, I think, and I haven't talked to Richard about this, and I definitely haven't talked to his crew about this, but from an outsider's perspective, looking in, as much access as I'm granted in that paddock, to me, it seems like you're saying that Cameron Peterson is putting a little bit of pressure on himself that is unwarranted. It's his first year of a two-year deal. He's on the best bike. He's got an amazing crew chief, all these kinds of things. Well, arguably the best bike now. I mean, obviously Ducati's made a Ducati big step pretty damn last good. Year. yes it's pretty yeah. damn good um but what but what i'm saying is it's just like what i don't want what i what i'm afraid to see is the cameron peterson that was there during the honda days you know the urgency of it the the, the mistakes and it, and he is such a better rider than that we know he's got raw speed and he's smart and he's a nice guy so what I would about just like, like to but see when he was on that honda hey when he was on that honda thing what was the big <laughs> What was the big thing about Honda staying in the paddock? Tell me. They just wanted a podium, dude. If he gets on the podium. So 
here's a young guy that's trying his ass off on a bike that probably isn't that great doing everything he can. And that's all he's going into the weekend thinking. I get a podium, Honda stays. Honda stays, I stay. It's like he's not in that position anymore. He's got to learn from that stuff back in the day. And I think that, you know, you and I are, are big believers in Cam. And guy is such a such a quality individual, too. He's a good dude. So... He's got all the I mean, attributes. His wife, his that he wife has. is better than him. Like as a person, his wife's a little bit better. But yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe he's yeah. Good. But yeah. I just think that I just think that uh, I want to see him do well. And I think, you know, um, and he will. He'll he'll sort it out. He's just got to like, got to chill on himself a little bit because he's still he's he's a little bit of that guy that's like I want it right now. I want it right now. I want it right now. And you got to just. I mean, you look at Gagne. You know, two years ago when Bobier won the championship. Gagne was there, but he wasn't really there, if you know what I mean. Like, he was there, yeah, no, but he wasn't 100%. like... He was no, finishing was 15 loose. seconds was, back. And But yes. what did he do? He learned from that. He learned from that. Came into last year a completely different guy from the very first race. And what, what Cam can do to learn from that is it took Gagne that offseason to go, okay, i got to reevaluate what I'm doing. Cam's got three weeks right now where he can start to reevaluate some of that and not have to wait during an offseason because he's going to be back here next year anyways. So it's like, let's just take a chill pill here. Let's figure out what we could do to get ourselves a little bit, like take the pressure off and and, and go rip. So, because that's what, when he rides free, he's going to be fine. So anyways, let's get on to super sport. We're already like 45 minutes into this. We talked about one class, super sport. <laughs> Josh Heron this weekend did an amazing job to me. As a professional, as a rider, I thought that he handled himself great. There was nothing this weekend that I saw Josh do that I was like, oh, I wish he wouldn't do stuff like this or that. I thought from first practice out, I don't know if he had a problem, and I didn't get to ask him. I don't know if you did. I don't know if he had a problem at the very beginning of the first session, but it seemed like he got out there a little bit late. But when he did do his first flying lap, it was a flying lap. And from that point on, I thought that the way he conducted himself even leading those races, I think he led every lap this weekend, did he not? I think he yeah, led every lap. He led every lap. The starts even were on the, in, even off a restart. Yep. The starts were insane. The guy, he had a high I mean, side. The, he had a big high side, which he, he says is one of the biggest of his careers, which we have no video evidence of. Like meaning, I'm not doubting we, him. I'm just saying, unfortunately, we haven't seen it because I we saw the tail Josh end of it. To, yeah, but even Josh wanted to see the crash, but he was banged up too. So on top of that, you know, whether he said, oh, "I'm okay," whatever, he's lying, dude. He was hurting, and he was still able to do that. No, he did but, great. Dude, I don't. I mean, holy crap. The starts. The are, starts were a joke. I mean, <laughs> he had a second on those guys by the time he got to the top of the hill. Like, the starts were so good. And the greatest thing about what he did, experience level-wise, this is when you get a guy that's, that's how can I explain it? When you're, when you're that good, you can control your environment. And I know that our super sport category at this time isn't as deep as we've seen it in years past. I get that. The guy, who, the guy who won this weekend is the guy who every kind of, everybody kind of earmarks to win. I think Lockoff's going to have a big say in all this when it's done. But I think that what Heron did this weekend, he controlled the pace. He did a great job. He controlled the pace in both those races. Anytime someone got a little bit closer, boom, he dropped his lap times again. It was almost like he got out to that two or three second cushion, controlled the pace. If someone started to close in, boom, he dropped the lap time down a little, you know, three tenths quicker. And that was enough. And he did it in both races, Greg. He was very, very cagey in that idea. And I thought he did a, I just thought he did a great job. And for the first time for that team, when you look at what that team did this weekend, 
They won three out of the four races they entered, which, what are you going to say about that? I mean, congratulations <laughs> to those guys on that team. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was a great weekend for those guys. You know, I was talking to one of the owners of the team, actually, about, you know, why they come racing, you know, yeah. and, and he said, you know, it's, this is critical to their, it's not necessarily the shop, like of people coming into Ducati, New York, or coming into the dealership in Scranton. That stuff's important, but it's not as important. So the impact that they have really is their online business is that HSBK business and people recognizing it and having access right right to the core of their business. Mm-hmm. And so I asked them if they're going to continue racing on, you know, if they were to do all this stuff. And, and they just like, we, we absolutely love this paddock. They love what's going on. And even though they struggled, you know, um, kind of when did they come in? Was it they did a half a season right in the middle with, with Lorenzo? Was it with PJ? Came in? Oh, yeah, with well, PJ. So they kind of... they. They started, yeah, was that? Weren't they around, though, when Corti was here? Wasn't it HSBK then? I don't remember, Well, no, there's different. So so I'm talking about the Warhorse owners. Right, So HSBK was Bobby Sheck, and then the the folks that own Warhorse, they've kind of combined their effort, you know, and and did the whole thing. But um, I know they brought the Superbike in when Lorenzo came in uh, for a bit, you know, and they were doing Stock 1000 with PJ and all that stuff. So, But they're happy. It's great. Moto America is an effective tool. For the fact that they show up and win three, they're now leading two championships, the only two championships they're in. You know, they're still leading those. And that's the key for me. The thing to remember in Supersport is we're next generation, right? These rules, like the bike that Josh Heron rides right now, isn't necessarily the way that the bike is going to end up at the end of the season. They may add some power. They may take some power away. We have the new GSX-R750, which is in, which I know is only a couple horsepower more than the 600. So they still have the ability. And that thing is that, that GSX-R750 in its configuration is chopped pretty hard. I know the number, but I'm not going to give it away, but it's under 90% of full Mm -hmm. power. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're still looking at, you know, how these rules are going to change. I know what you're saying about Sam Lockoff. And I think Sam Lockoff is a good answer, but I'm going to tell you, mark my words here. The guy to look out for is going to be Ty Scott. Ty Scott, I think, is when he gets on a 750 next race, mm-hmm. because it's supposedly all three of the riders on the Vision Wheel and 4XR Suzuki team are going to be on the 750s. Look out for that dude, because... Mm-hmm. Pretty cagey. Although he cracked... He's, he's talented, too, dude. He's wicked talented. Dude, I hate to say this, and, and I almost said it on the telecast, and I didn't, just because of the heat I'd probably get back from it. But, dude, you know who he reminds me of completely? easy in what in what as a person or riding no not as a person just as a young guy yeah i know exactly who you're gonna say who alex dumas (laughs) no (laughs) no he he reminds me a lot of he reminds me a lot of nicky like he's 16 he comes from dirt track he's making an immediate impact the guy shows up at 16 years old having never ridden that race in this uh, on this bike before and he was a player right from the start of the weekend at 16 and it's like yep that's credit to the team it's credit to him and it's like nicky's a big name for me to compare him to but when you look at how young he looks when i we were doing an interview with him i think on the he's grid got or Nikki something vibes he definitely he has Nikki vibes like the talent level and all he's, that he's taking a different road i yes. understand that yeah but everybody's path is going to be a little Cup. different but yeah you're 100 percent right yes. and it's like but that's who he reminded me of because he'd make the second that Nikki came on board in 1997, which is crazy. I was fortunate enough to be Nikki's first teammate that wasn't his brother. And in 98. 
in 98. 98, Nikki, that Nikki was. did two races in the end in of 97. 97, though, he came in on and rode Kawasaki's 636. ZX6R. Or 600, yeah, yeah. That's right. 600. And I remember that at 16, and I remember him being in, like, I want to say, this is crazy, I want to say he was in red, white, and black, like, I forgot the brand Junk. of the leathers. They weren't oh, Taiichi. Oh, they were like AGV Sport. They were Nankai, or... Nankai or something no, like Nankai's, that. No, Nankai's, yeah. 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 And, and I, dude, I, I remember that now. I still remember him and going like, whoa, this kid, this kid's good. I saw him on track and I'd be like, whoa, this kid's just 16. He's good. Yeah, and he was well within the top. At the time, Tommy was the factory Muzzy Kawasaki rider. Correct. And so Nikki's, because I was there as well, like when Nick showed on the scene, and I'd met him before, I think in Weira uh, at 15, but um, he, he came on the scene. They had a, like a 10 by 10 just off of the, off of the Muzzy trailer. <laughs> That he was working out. That's of, exactly and right. he did That's so well. That's why Suzuki signed him. As I, I mean, I, I don't I, look. Don't quote me on the result, but I'm pretty certain that Nick finished within the top seven or something like that in, in a field. By the way, that was ridiculously that was stacked. Packed. He was amazing. Factory and like so, teams everywhere. Yeah, there was t- ten factory bikes, and this is probably two years before we saw Raj. Even I think because Nikki was sixteen, oh, yeah, yeah. Raj, Raj would have been just, fourteen. Raj or was still. Roger's yeah. still kicking shins by then. I remember Rod showing up at one of my dad's schools at Sonoma on a 125 and riding it, mm-hmm. it, it just hanging. But getting off topic, Ty Scott has Ty a lot Scott. of those. He has a lot of those intangibles because he's young. He's a dirt tracker. I think he's, he's aggressive. got a quiet confidence. He's got a. He's got yeah. He's aggressive. Pretty he's quiet, got a quiet kid. Nikki wasn't a. Nikki was never a loud kid. He was quiet. So. So I agree with you. I really, really want to see Ben Smith do it because Ben is at that age now where he's been in the class for, I think this is going on his fourth year, I believe. He's at that time where he needs to start to shine, where he cannot make those mistakes like we saw him make in race two. He did a really nice job getting himself on the podium in race one um, behind the two, behind both Lockoff and, uh, and Josh Heron. And then in race two, or race one that was, in race two, again, gets kind of a bad start, has to work his way through, but that franticness and the panic, you've got to control that, and you've got to let the race come to you. You can't throw a race away on the opening lap, because what happens if Heron's bike breaks, or Heron falls over, or you're not letting any of the race develop. You're already getting a preconceived idea in your brain that, oh my gosh, I've already lost the race. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to get on the podium. I got a bad start. Leaders are going to get away. And I get that there is a time and place for that as well, but you have to be able to, you have to be able to control those emotions initially, and you cannot keep making those small mistakes. Fair enough. That's just Super my opinion. Sport class looks good. It, it looks good. It is not set in stone. Let's not have the banquet right now. No, things are going to change, and they're going to change across the board from Moto America to World Super Sport as well. We don't know if anybody's going to show up on a triumph or whatever, but I'm really excited about it. I'm happy for Josh Heron in terms of if the rules change for the good or for the better towards the Ducati. What he's trying to do is build himself a points lead. So when he gets to the end of the year, he's going to be able to control this championship. And, you know, to the Vision Wheel and Forkstar Suzuki team, tip of the cap. I mean, they worked so hard. That bike was not running, not running really the 750. But they are taking a huge risk in the, you know, at the beginning of a race season by getting this committing to the 750. They are going to have teething issues. Now the good news is, <laughs> you, can't, you can't alter the motor, right? You cannot yeah. alter the motor. So at least 
you know you have a tried and true GSX-R 750 motor that's in stock trim. It's not like you're putting pistons in or some, you know, some cam that was untested. What you're dealing with is is really on the electronic side of things. Correct. So, but I think it's a huge risk for them to do it in the middle of the season. So, tip of the cap to them. Middle of the season, you know, they're doing it at the very really beginning. I I agree with you. I, think this I mean, is, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying no testing, nothing. And how yeah. great is Lockoff's attitude? Like the love little it. bit that I Absolutely talk about, Sam. It. Sam's kind of a quiet kid, but man. Work ethic wise, kid's awesome. Rides amazing. Made, you know, made big, big steps last year, and it's like, uh, you know, he it was almost like he threw some. He threw like he was keeping Heron honest, wasn't he, Greg? At the beginning of that race, especially on day two, Heron just rode rode great. I mean, he's got yeah, a great bike and a great team, and a, and he rode amazing. It's gonna take it. And when you when you race against Josh, you're gonna have a fight, right? Which I love. That's the one yeah. thing I've always said about Josh. He's gonna give you a race. Um, and so it's a whole different deal for Sam this year racing against Heron. He got used to Escalante, he got used to SDK. Now he's gotta get used to a new guy, as does Heron. He's gonna have to get used to a new guy. But I really do agree with you. I think Ty Scott, I think Benjamin Smith. I'd love to see Kevin Almeido get up there and start mixing it up with these boys now that he's healthy. Yes. So 600s are going to be good this year. Our super sport's going to be good this year. So do you want to move over into uh, sportbiketracker.com Junior Cup? Because Is there anything to talk about there? Is there anything to talk about there? <laughs> uh, gee, I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. A lot of stuff that's positive, and there's, there's, there's a couple things that aren't so positive. Uh, but I think most of them are positive. Let's talk about race number one, Jay, because in race number one in the sportbiketracker.com Junior Cup, it was Cody Wyman over Max Fan and Bazooka Joe Lamandre Jr. Kayla Yakov comes in in fourth. Gus Rodeo, Hayden Bickney's. There was there was the top five were all bunched up together. Then it was Bickney's, Dreyer, uh, Owen Williams, uh, Yandel, Medea, and Chase Black. The thing is, in race number two, it ends up that Max Fan, Aiden Tao, Kayla Yakov, Cody Wyman, Gus Rodeo, Medina. Dreyer, Marinello, Williams, and Black. Race two was a bit of controversy. Very difficult thing to sort out. My thing right now is, Jason, we talked about the exit of um, of Rocco Landers from Junior Cup a couple years ago. Tyler Scott jumped in there and had broken a couple track records and up the pace and all that kind of stuff. But definitely at Road Atlanta, the pace was faster last year than it was this year. And that is a bit that, hey, look, we want racing and we're concerned about it. But 42 twos, 42 threes, those types of like fastest lap times versus 41 fives from last year between Ben Glotty and Ty Scott, it's a different season we have going on. And that's probably the only thing that I look at that's like, I don't want to say that's negative, but you're just kind of like, no, okay, you know, we've got to pick it up. Cody Wyman won the race, first race, and kind of mentioned it that the pace wasn't really that hot. Um, so yeah, what, you're so much more in touch with, with this. You're, yeah, like, look, um, where do I want to go with this? We made a we made a point in our opening tease, I think, on Saturday that Gus Rodeo and Cody Wyman were the only two guys to win races that came into the series this year. Correct. And Cody won, so it was kind of like, all right, a guy won Correct. the race that that was that we kind of expected to be there. Gus Rodeo, and I can't, I probably, people are probably tired of me hearing me say this, but I can't believe how tall he is now. He's just like one of the bigger guys, right? Like he's, remember how small he was when he came into it? So I think that like, we see these kids every year, G-Dub, every year it seems like we got those one or two kids that you and I go like, wow, that guy's really grown up or that kid's really matured. Um, 
And he wasn't as much of a factor as Gus was in both these races. He just didn't seem like he had, you know, the bike to get himself to the front. You know what I mean? Like that was in the past we've been able to see him do that. I don't know. I you know, I don't know why that is, but that's the way it was. I think the big one that everybody talks about, as great as it was, the race two res- result was um, was hard for a lot of people to take um, in the sense that Kayla just rode unreal. And one of the two of us actually said that Kayla was going to win a race this year. I can't remember which one of us that was. <laughs> oh, you can't remember? I can't remember. You can't remember. Um, because I've what did seen... I tell you in the, what I tell you in the booth before the race started? Well, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, your opinion whatever, doesn't matter. Right. Um, that thing, is true, actually. I just feel like I've watched this young lady progress so quickly at 14. It's insane how good she is. I've had the pleasure of chasing her around a racetrack, which is so much fun. And the thing is, is that she's got, she's got that racer's mentality in her. She's not there to make up numbers. She's, she's just one of the, one of the, she's just a competitor. And I mean, great. It was, it's so wild when you could be so obviously better than everybody else in such a key important (laughs) place like turn 10 at Road Atlanta. She was not going to be denied. And on the last lap, when I said she's going to position herself on the left-hand side of these guys and she ain't letting off. So these guys better be ready. And I think a lot of people, there was a lot of like, I don't want to call it hate, controversy, whatever. I hate to I hate to be the guy that says this. The decision was the right decision, in the sense that if they don't, if they just make the results official at the end of the race the way they do, you know what's going to happen, Greg. There's going to be four teams coming across that bridge in front of us there, going straight to race direction and filing a protest that there's a yellow flag out. Okay. So that was coming regardless. That 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 it was going to happen. Somebody was going to protest it. There are times when you and I say, "Would anybody have done anything about any of that?" Nope. But there are times when people are because when we went to commercial, I saw a helmet in the gravel walking, and I immediately hit my talkback button and said, "On to, the replay, yeah, on, on the, the replay, replay before yes. we were going to commercial." I said to Russ, "Hey, there could have been a yellow flag there," and Russ's reply back to me was. They are already talking to us about it, meaning Moto America was already talking to TV. And when we came back, we saw where the yellow flag is. Now, there's a couple things I'd love to know, Greg. And you and I haven't talked about this, but there's a couple things I'd love to know. When you go down that back straightaway, as you kink into what used to be gravity cavity at the top of the hill there, I have to believe there was a waving yellow flag. Our TV crew maybe could right, be able to right look that kink. up. Right at the kink. Right at the kink. There had to have been because... It's very rare that you're just coming to a standing yellow when there are still people in an impact zone. That's going to be a waving yellow just about every single time, okay? So I got to wonder if there was a flag at the top of the hill. I just, out of curiosity more than anything. There's no way really, I don't think, unless you're very astute, that four riders can go into that last corner or turn 10 all, all together. I don't really think that they could all see the yellow flag. Like, I don't really, I really don't believe that Kaylee even knew there was a yellow flag there. But let me ask you this, Greg. When you're cresting the top of that hill, wouldn't you, don't you think you'd see people out in the gravel? Yeah, I mean, when you come around the kink and, and yeah. your your entire vision opens up and you Correct. see that whole straightaway, the whole 10 you even see the grandstands. You, you do. You, I mean, 
again, I'm slower than you, Jason. I was just going to say, even at your pace, even at your pace. <laughs> your eyes open up and see everything. Correct. They really do. Like, it's almost like you come through there and you scan this. But it, it was really busy. I mean, I think by it then was, we had, what, was. six? We had four, four or five or six or people. So I understand it was busy. But not every single person who passed under that waving yellow cannot say they didn't see it. Because it was out there. I agree. And it wasn't like the corner worker was holding it in. It was out there pretty far. Now, the, is waving is waving yellow, is waving yellow uh, more apparent? You know what I mean? Does it? Does it, yes? Of course it does. You, as a racer, you are trained to watch for waving flags. I mean, Greg, l- do you think that that should have been a waving yellow, and it was a stationary? Do you think it should have been a waving? No, I mean, if the if the, the where the rider was walking, where you were talking about, most of the impacts are going to happen off to the left. You know, like it would be a really so I don't. What I'm if two guys really, get together? What if what if two of those people get together and one of the guys stands it up and runs straight into the gravel? See, the I'm problem gonna, is, is that say, we're I'm gonna you're protecting the corner workers and you're protecting the rider, right? Well, that's well, yeah, yeah, okay, I get I get all that. So, but I'm gonna bail out of that. Okay, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the wussy way out because I just I I wasn't there at the situation. Had I like seen the whole thing unfold and it was the end of the situation and maybe the rider was almost out of the gravel, like I don't know. And so I'm not going to really speculate on that, but I, I think a waving yellow is always more effective than a standing yellow. I mean, without question, Agreed. but it doesn't matter. You can't pass under a yellow flag, period. It doesn't matter the, if it's waving or standing or all that kind of stuff. I'll be the bad but, guy. But the th- but, I'm going to be the bad guy. Okay. And I'll say, be the Moto, America, Moto America made the right decision. It is the right decision. You cannot, just because of the, the if, let me ask you this. If, if that's Cody Wyman that goes up on it, there's a sentimental value to what we are putting into this. Seeing a 14-year-old young lady win her first race is what everybody wanted to see at that particular moment. What a great story. There's it's all a very, very positive thing. We all we all loved it. I mean, it is a great, great, great story. And Kayla may have set a letter bomb off to whoever that was in the gravel that they didn't get themselves cleared off quicker. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. but you thought she was pissed at Gus Rodeo after race one. Right. Whoever's so, in the gravel trap, probably worse. Okay, so because that rider had a full lap to kind of get out, and and whoever that was, I'm glad they walked away, and I'm glad that they were okay, and I'm I'm obviously being, of course. Uh, I'm joking a little bit, but a waving yellow is a waving yellow, and it doesn't matter to me what it, the Moto America. There are rules, and and as much as I hate it, and as much as the result got taken away, that would have made a great story. A, it's going to make her hungrier. B, she's going to win again. Okay, which is going to be great. See, Moto America, they live by their rule in that particular case, okay? Now, I see all these people, oh, it's a bullshit call, race officials this, race officials that, right? My feeling is, Greg, has it been Cody Wyman that passed everybody on the inside or anybody else, do you think there would have been a much as much of an uproar about it as there was? No, there's, there's an uproar because of the context of it. Correct. Because it is Kayla... You know, the, the one thing I, I want to make clear is that there isn't somebody in Moto America race control, especially the people that are in there, that are sitting there and want to make this call. Nobody wants to make, make the call. You're 100% they don't right want to. They, they don't. I mean, God, Rick Hobbs so is right. not sitting there going, oh, fantastic. She passed under a waving yellow flag. I get to take that. No. No. You're you know, 100% pe- right. People, Rick Hobbs you know, loves racing. Yep. And he, I guarantee you, if I asked him on a personal note, 
how great was it the pass that she made the final one and then got to lead down the hill and then really protected the inside line yep. and drove on i mean how good of racecraft was that i don't care what her agenda is how good was that race and i guarantee you rick would have agreed with it but 100 it is his responsibility to protect racers from themselves and you and i had a conversation immediately and what do you do and i said to you not 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 as a definitive answer but as a way to just kind of throw an idea out there do you leave the race results the same do you pull those riders aside everybody in junior cup and do you have a talk conversation with them saying look you guys there were too many people that passed we couldn't make a clear decision on who was penalized or whatever whatever so at this point you have a warning if you do it again whatever you're disqualified you know you get points something and the point is you can't set that precedent. The precedent is, the rule is, you're there to protect corner workers, you're there to protect riders, you're there to do all this stuff. There's no passing under a yellow. It's unfortunate that it happened, but it did. And Kayla Yakov will win races again. Max Van is going to win another race. And Gus Rodeo will be back up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's, it sucks, <laughs> and I understand it. But, but one thing I want to say is, yeah. Jason and I didn't make the decision. Okay, yeah, so it leave wasn't us the us. frick alone, people. Is that what you we sent me yesterday? That yes, that was a legit message that some guy sent me. It took me a minute to read it. It's, what's so funny is that people think Greg and I are the ones operating the cameras and telling everybody when they're yeah, it, we're not. Um, but the but what you got to remember here, you're one thousand percent. Rick Hobbs, such a great dude, such a great guy. That had to kill level headed, one of the most level headed. That had to kill everybody. Are you kidding? Everybody in race control at that point's going, oh no. Dude, oh no, everybody had their hand. I guarantee you, we didn't see it, but everybody had their head in their hands going. Oh no. Now, Greg, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Because you are the TV guy, you know our times, our time restraints, our time schedules. Am I right? Obviously, you you are the best at that, okay? Uh Greg knows everything down to the minute of what is going to put us behind or put us ahead or whatever the case is. It's pretty fun to... I've learned more about that from you. Watch me lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, because Greg understands the constraints that there are. Now, let me ask you this. What if Moto America in this particular situation goes on and does the podium the way the podium finished? Okay? Like, let's... Because we are under time constraints. Let's go ahead and let's go and do this podium... Let's have Kayla, Cody, and um, who was it to finish second? I, I've just drawn a blank at the moment. I'm sorry. Oh, um, so are you talking about in race number two? It race number been, two. It, it would have been Kayla, Cody, and I think Gus Rodeo. Yeah, I thought, Gus Rodeo. Okay. So, or so, was it Gus? And I think it was Godio, yeah, I, I think it was Gus, then Cody. But it, either way, regardless. Yeah, yeah. Okay? K, it was Kayla, Gus, and Cody. Okay. Is, is Let's just say you put those yeah. three on the podium. You do your winner's interviews. You do your thing, okay? You get that, mm-hmm. and, you, and you do it. Done. I think that the blow gets softened a little bit more when, because then we could keep on our regular schedule, mm-hmm. and you know we've watched Moto Two, Moto Three, Moto GP when everybody's standing around with their hands in their pockets. What's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. It's a horrendous feeling because there's families and groups of people that are over at the podium whose riders have just finished top three, and and all of a sudden now everybody's sitting there twiddling their thumbs. What's going on? Everybody's looking at replays and trying to play their side of the story this that or the other i think for future it's better to just in my opinion do the podium do it however you got to do it and then Mm. you can retract it an hour after you go you pull kayla's crew in 
you pull the crews of other riders in and you say, listen, you guys. You pull her trophy out of her hands? Wow. I I've had to know, give one dude. back. I've had to give one yeah, back. So I, I know you have. There's been several that have. Look, at the end of the day, that moment belonged to those three riders that did. did they None of them thought that they had done anything wrong. They're celebrating on their cool off lap. I think for the sake of time, for the sake of the moment, like let those, there was the, you know, I feel like you have to kind of just play the podium out and then you can talk about the race results maybe getting changed after. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I know so. what you're saying, and and my TV my TV uh, brain goes. I totally get what you're saying, and that's great. Um, yep. But I think ultimately time passed, and I think it's better for the sponsors, for you know, for the the log of history and all that kind of stuff. If we waited that amount of time and we got it sorted, yeah. Out. But you got to remember, was, there are guys that the, there are guys that win races that have gone through the podium celebrations and then been disqualified or whatever yeah i know mean, it, 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 it does happen and about you and and so it does happen and I, I don't know it's it, it's yeah, a weird situation saying. i don't know even for you guy like you if you're down there getting ready to give the do the interview so so yeah. the, the guy that we're not talking about is max fan who's lost 24 pounds oh. during his off season who's ridden who rode awesome all weekend long along with his teammate lamandry jr that big crash at the end i believe all three kids got up which was great but but the problem is is you almost don't want to be the winner in a case like this. But Max well, Van yeah, did nothing. But he did nothing were, wrong. If, if you were a person who booed Max Van at the at the podium because he almost didn't stay because people were booing him, but I don't. You got to really look inside yourself because you're an asshole. Well, listen, it listen, hold on, with Max hold on. Van. I don't think that they were necessarily booing Max Van. I think that they were booing. I hope not the result. Like the I think result. they were there for Kayla. They're booing the fact that she's not getting credited with a win. I don't I hope think so. Yeah, and you are an asshole if you're booing Max Van because that kid That's did nothing wrong. The result, he finished totally the race. He it. did his thing. He came across the line. Yep. He gave Kayla props. Um, and and for a young man who's not had a ton of podium experience, um, he 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 said, "Kayla, I'm so sorry. I'm looking forward to racing against you for nah, the rest of the year." What a class interview! Like class interview. Great for job Max for Max Van. And I feel that like. None of that is his fault. The, I'll tell you the one thing I didn't like. I don't like the fact that a kid that's eight or nine seconds back got promoted to second. Like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Aiden Tao, but of I mean, course. Come on. But it, that's enough. that's enough with that. Eight eight yeah. seconds back, and you're on the podium, and that dude, he Aiden made a mistake that took him out of the lead group. His own fault. End yep. of story. Yep. And to be rewarded with a podium. Because a race happened is but again, a tough pill to swallow. But again, and it's not about Aiden. It ain't it's Aiden's fault. Position. It's not Aiden's fault. It's nothing to do it, with him. It could have been anybody. Someone is eight seconds back who lost the draft and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and then they get promoted. And then they the get third. promoted. Against, I agree with you, but yeah. but the bottom line is in that situation. And yeah, Jay, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking because there's another race coming up. There's a lot of things going on. Everybody wants an answer. The podium and all that kind of stuff. I would. I'm gonna have to agree with you and say that I think that Moto America did. They they made the right call. If they got all the video evidence and they they said okay, everybody passed but Max Van, then they did the right thing. Yeah. And you know what? It's now ancient history. And you're right, Kayla Yakov, who wins that race because she is a freaking stud down in turn ten. They yep. made a change to the front end of her bike to get her even more confident down into turn ten. And I don't, I, I don't even think she was really tested, Jay. I, I haven't talked to her, but I, I, if she said to me, I was never, never bothered. I never almost tucked the front. It wouldn't surprise me. She looks so comfortable down there. 
Um, I just don't know where we're going to have that situation again. But what we do know is she can she can run through the corners as good as anybody. She can get on the gas as good as anybody. It's two races. You know what I, you know what I want? Two races you know I need? in a row. I need, We've seen her at the front. Yeah, I yep. need Kayla, okay, to get a new suit is what I need. She's losing so much time because her suit's too big Flapping for around. Yeah, and yeah. it's like one of those big bulky bison suits that's got the airbag thing where you pull it and stuff like that. Yeah, like I just, yeah, I need her to get to get some leathers that are more form fitting so she can get into a tighter tuck and not lose so much, especially on a four hundred bike. But anyway, so and and, and um, on the end note for Junior Cup, yeah, one of your points originally is about the lap times and things. Look, progression in our sport is what it is, and we've got a lot of new people in our class in this class that are going to be stepping up. I, and, and I'm with you because if you didn't tell me what the lap times were, I wouldn't have cared because it's like, it's, uh, yeah, I don't. it's cool. Really. It's cool seeing yeah. a battle at the front and I don't give a shit if they're three seconds off the year before that doesn't really affect how I look at a racer's ability to race the day that he, of the people he's got to race against. And we hope, you know, you got to remember the bar set pretty damn high. When you look at Rocco Landers and you look at Ty Scott, Ty Scott. those, that bar is pretty high and Ben Glotti. Um, Dominic yeah, Doyle so. back then too, so the bar's pretty high, and we only have two guys that have ever won a race, and both of them had only ever won one coming True. into this. So you know, we'll Wide see open. how that progression goes. Yeah, Junior and, Cup and look, was we, great. We always see it in Junior Cup too, Jay, where where they usually set the fastest lap of their race like two laps to go. Anyway, you're right. So we'll see how that goes. The, the last thing I want to ask you is about Junior Cup. Do you care that everybody's on a Kawasaki? I, until you said it, I didn't really know it during the telecast. Who cares? Doesn't. Yeah. It don't matter to me. I, it doesn't matter to me. And the it's the KTM. I know that Ty Scott was on last year. I think was pretty. It's pretty hard to get, and I think it's a little bit more expensive. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they up they updated it. Okay, they updated. Then, it. They made it even. And the R three just proved to not be effective in for whatever reason in our rules. In the world supersport, yeah. it doesn't seem like it does too bad. But yeah, in the 300 class over there, but. Anyways, um, let's get these other two classes out of the way. I'll kill Baggers real quick, and then you do Stock Thousand. But Baggers this weekend was interesting because for me, watching those guys toss those big bikes down the road is completely unappealing. I hate it, but the racing is kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. The guy who came out on top, Kyle Wyman, again, controlled the pace. He ended up winning it in the shootout race that they did on Saturday for the 5K Bobby Fong won that after O'Hara had issues and and Kyle tipped off in turn 10B. The interesting thing talking to Kyle about that, Greg, to me was I I spoke to him yesterday. He says, Jay, I'm kind of glad it happened in that race because if it didn't happen in that race, it would have happened in the main. He said he learned something from his incident in 10B that that he took the next day into the race. And he's like, I probably would have crashed on Sunday had I not crashed on Saturday. I thought that was very, very interesting to, to talk to him about that. Um, in the race itself, second place belonged to James Raspoli on the Vance and Hines Harley-Davidson, which I think is is great for uh, for them. That bike continues to get better. Kyle even gave props to James saying that he's riding really, really well. Um, yeah, so we had, really good. we had Harley 1-2, and he just seems like he's having a blast. Raspoli, being who James is, he just looks like he's when, having when a good time. When does he not have a blast, Man, right? He's, yeah, mean, he's awesome. And then... O'Hara ended up third, I believe, in that race. Um, he did. I'm doing this kind of on memory. Um, oh. Yeah. And so so when you look at the championship now, basically, that's what Kyle needs, right? Because they only have five rounds, I believe. And so they really, really need – he needs somebody to get between him and Tyler. And Tyler's a guy that we don't really talk about enough, in my opinion. 
he's a guy that can get on any motorcycle and rip. Like he's very versatile. And um, but with these bikes, Greg, we know that both the Harley and the Indian can be a bit temperamental. They can have some issues. So really, it boils down to now we're going to you know the place of speed, right? We're going to Road America next on these bikes, and they're pushing these bikes to such limits now that it's it's almost a five, little bit five it, seconds, Jason. They were yeah. five seconds a lap faster this year than last year. To yeah. your point of pushing, wow, to the limit. is that right? No kidding, huh? Yeah. And they're on slicks this year, where last year they weren't. True. But the technology and the driving force going forward, I mean, you have to remember, I made a comment on it in, in the telecast. Greg, there were guys doing some 28s or high 20s, but mostly 29s in Supersport. Heron won that race doing low 29s, essentially. Now, he did get into the 28s, uh, high 28s a couple times, but... These guys are winning those races doing low 29s. These guys on baggers were doing, I think, low 30s. Wasn't wasn't Kyle doing like he was in the 30s, right? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. he did he did it well at 31, 31 7 in the race. 31 7 was but I think they did 30 in qualifying, like a high 30 in qualifying or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. That's, like that's yep. wow. That's, that's a six that's a six hundred and twenty pound motorcycle with a twin engine. It's it's you incredible. Like, it's incredible it to me. So so when you look yeah. at it and you go, well, like the, 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 the whole baggers thing, regardless, is is interesting because of the characters we have in it. Just like Moto E for me, we got some great characters, but we have two manufacturers. We have we have a we have a battle, don't we? We have a rivalry. We do. We have three different winners. All right. So Tyler O'Hara, Jeremy McWilliams, and Kyle Wyman have Amazing. all won, won races this year. Tyler is leading the championship by ten over McWilliams, and so far Tyler's the only one who's finished on the podium. He got he won second place and now third place. Incredible. So we've seen what one, two, three, four, five. We've seen six different uh, finishers in three races in the king of the baggers class mission king of the baggers wow so it's it's a fun class to watch anything can happen it, it is scary when they crash because those those big fat fatties man when they start rolling down the racetrack like that you just want to make sure that they're separated from the rider because oh. if, if something crazy happens i don't even want to think about it but well no king of the baggers is good do you when you watch jeremy's crash in turn one you're like ugh, and then ugh. bobby's crash in turn five ugh, like i don't <laughs> yeah but the bobby crash was okay from the perspective of at least he was really separated from the bike and and that's the thing like soon as they crash i'm like ugh. i worry sometimes i mean you have the the, the inertia or the momentum of the bike but it's got so much stuff on it that when it digs in i'm like oh is it going to skip off the ground like a super sport bike or is it going to slow down at the rider's pace because normally the bike takes off because it's heavier right you know what i mean right the riders the rider hits the deck at 145 pounds 150 pounds yeah in my case 187 ish but the bike's hitting the deck at 420 pounds or you know 355 pounds whatever or 620 so anyway that that's been my thing but bagger's gonna be is gonna be good the rest of the way Harley Davidson wanting that win. Next time we go with them at Road America, it's their home soil. Uh, Jason, we had even more classes than that. I mean, we had Twins Cup, which was won by Jody Berry by 73 thousandths of a second over Teague Hobbs. That was a great race. Our boy Ben Glotty ends up third over Jackson Blackman by a couple tenths of a second. And Blake Davis in the mix in fifth. 
Dominic Doyle uh, back there in seventh ahead of, uh, or just behind Maziato, and our number one, Caleb DeCarroll, finishes in sixth place. So that was uh, their third race of the year. So Jody Berry now leading the championship by three points in Twins Cup over Teague Hobbs. Blake Davis finds himself in third, uh, tied with Maziato and Jackson Blackman. They're all sitting at 36 points, so third, fourth, and fifth. That's a very competitive class, a lot of fun. Yep. Now, Jason, I know that there's a class that you really want to talk about. And <laughs> what has to be, I'm not going to say it was the best race because I think race two in Junior Cup was the best race because there were more people. But Corey Alexander and Michael Gilbert came down to a photo finish in Stock Thousand. Those two guys are friends. They're on a brand new BMW M versus a tried and true Suzuki GSXR 1000 that some people thought, oh, it's, a, it's an old pig. The BMW, the cow, he's going to blow it out of the water. But the bottom line is those guys went down to it. Gilbert credited with the win. The photo finish shows that Corey Alexander wins. By default, you go to .001, which on paper looks impressive, is probably more like .001. Four, three, six, two, or something. <laughs> but Corey wins over Gilbert. Travis Wyman on the box, like you mentioned before, another of the Wymans on the podium. Hayden Gillum, Ezra Bobier in fifth. Andy Debrino in sixth. Uh, Gerardo Posh in eighth. He's sick. Uh, Ashton Yates on uh, a Jones Honda. He's doing double double work, apparently, Yates. I didn't really know that. He actually. is, yeah. I, I talked to Aaron shabby. about that, actually, yeah. Okay. And then you have Hunter Dunham and then Jeremy Coffey, uh, Daniel Lewis, who I was really surprised back in 12. Yeah, me too. Is he on a new, new bike? bike this year for him, though, right? Uh, he's yeah. on a BMW. So I thought he's he on a BMW still, but. No, he's on a BMW. He's been on oh, a BMW. Oh, he's on a BMW. Okay, all right. <clears throat> I don't know so if he's on a new I one. Thought, or... I thought he would be further up. Yeah. Um, Butler in 13th. Schumacher, who is kind of new to Moto America, he's yep. on that Titler's cycle. Uh, ride HVMC Racing. Don't know much about him, but you know, in a couple of races, we'll be at his hometown. And then Joshua, uh, Jason Waters. So, uh, couple in 15th place. Couple things. Number one, uh, great to see Corey and Michael battling. You know, those guys know each other very well, obviously. And, um, you know, to have it come down to the last lap, both these guys are on new bikes uh, for the year, um, which I think is great. For them, for them. New bikes for them. Last year, they were on a Kawasaki, couldn't really get any technical support, couldn't get the help that they needed. The bikes, they couldn't even do hardly any laps on them. So it's really nice being able to see Corey get as many laps as he's got in because last year was a shit show for him and that whole team. Now they've got some support from BMW, and it goes to show when you have a, a, a team behind you that you know gives you the support you need um, they found some pretty big setup differences. They learned a lot from Coda. Coda was like a test for them almost. And for them to come out, I am the whole Titler cycle thing in general, Superbike and Stock Thousand to me, has been the revelation of the first two races for me because we don't see new teams with new bikes and new everything just come into the series and do as well as they have done so far. They've got a Superbike podium, they've got Stock Thousand win already. I mean, it's impressive. Jeez. I mean, you think about how long you and I have been in the paddock, okay? Right off the bat, these guys have come in and, and done. I don't have any, like, I don't know. I, I Obviously, I know the Stock Thousand side. I know some people there. When you walk under that canopy, what a, a great group of guys they got under the canopy for, for the Stock Thousand program. Travis Wyman's been on that bike, or he's been on a BMW, not this one. And I thought it was really cool, Travis, to 
give Corey and Richie both some credit because those guys worked really hard to get this program put together with the right HVMC crew and all that. Um, but man, the bike, the team, everything looks solid there. You know, um, super yeah, I mean, impressed. Uh, super like pro. You, you got you got to look at Dave Weaver. You got to look at uh, Corey Alexander and Richie. All three of those guys Amazing. to get two teams up and running. <laughs> You know, five riders between the two, oh, one brand new real. semi or new to them semi, I yeah. should say, you know, in terms of that stuff. It's just it's great to see. It's great for the series. Um, and PJ Jacobson wasn't there because he was sick. COVID, I heard. Uh, but for PJ, you know, he'll be back in action. And he's he's a ridiculously talented racer, too. Oh. So the hope is, yeah. is the hope is that Kyle in his, you know, effort in Superbike, got them some good data and some good information. I mean, not only did Kyle get faster as the race wore on, but he finished the dang race with, you know, with his teammate, and that can only help that team. I mean, it's only great that help. they got a trophy, but I would argue and say the better thing for them is the fact that they got data from just even another rider, Yeah, you know? So that's, that's interesting. I agree. And the fact that so, Hector Barbera was the first guy there to congratulate Kyle, I thought was amazing. But the nah, team dude, itself... He's a really good dude. Big fan. And then you got Michael Gilbert, who's gone to a GSX-R1000 this year with the help of Chris Ulrich and that team, uh, Team Hammer. Yeah, Team Hammer. And and he was just at the point where he's like, Jay, I can't ride a bike anymore that changes as much as the bike I was on the year before from one session to the other, super temperamental, can't get any support, can't fix the problem. These guys get such a little amount of track time on a weekend that – if you lose a session, GW, you know how critical that is and couldn't do it. So Michael makes a big switch, uh, 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 you know, running his own team out of a semi there. Um, and he's got a much smaller program than the, 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 the Titler's guys. Um, but it's an efficient program on a bike that is proven. It's won the last two championships. It's the Suzuki GSX-R1000 just kind of goes through the test of time and shows how competitive it can still be. And he damn near won the race. Uh, came down to the last corner, last lap. Michael took a shot, ran a little bit wide. Corey snuck back up underneath him and wins the race. And I thought it was, I thought it was, I mean, arguably it was probably the best race. You, you got to keep it. Yeah. And it's going to happen all year. So you got to, and, and there's going to be even more people that are going to be I, up front. I agree. Closer. And it's going it's to be great. And Travis mm -hmm. did a really nice job. This is the, this is the thing I like about it. Travis, couldn't go with the leaders. He even said in his interview, "I third's a good chunk of points. Let's move forward. Let's we're going to continue to get better." I thought it was great for him. Um, who was remind me who was fourth again? G Dub. Uh, I already forgot. That's great. I already, I already closed the tab. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Well, fifth. I'll tell you right now, fifth for the Motorsports Exotica guys. I know them a little bit from Southern Cal, but Ezra Bobier. Awesome job. I even threw him a little shout out. I, I sent him a message the other day. I'm like, hey, man, you know, he'd never been to that track before. He did yeah, super, Jason's super like, Hey, well. man, you got your brother's number, Cam. Uh, by the way, good job. Did I say Cam? <laughs> no. Oh. I said you sent a message to Ezra saying, hey, man, you got your brother's number. He, I'm a really big fan. Yeah. And by the way, good job, Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> um, but I thought he did a good job all weekend. He had one little slip up in the Superbike race on... Um, on Sunday, when he, I think he tipped off. I, you know, from what I remember or from what I was told, um, he fell over. So that part sucked. But, um, but I thought Ezra did a, yeah, he did an amazing job. 
Um, All right, so we're an hour and 30 minutes into Moto America. Can we please, for the love of God, move on? Yeah, it's not my fault you're so chatty all the time. And by the way, I I can't believe we forgot, but it was Hayden Gillum in fourth. Hayden Hayden, Hayden will win races this year, by the way, just so you know. Not a hard. No I'm, I'm not going out on a limb or nothing because it's just going to happen. Hooligans was we we had to leave the track the second day, but it sounded like it was a great race between Corey West, who won the first day. Um, it was Corey and Andy uh, Debrino, I think, the first day, and I think. Oh yeah, Andy Debrino right? the first day, yeah, and then uh, what? Corey? No wait, it was. I think it, it was McWilliams. I think it was Tyler. Oh, it was O'Hara, McWilliams, Corey West, and Debrino the second day, I believe. And Debrino, yeah. But that race was really good until last. I saw the the clip on uh, McWilliams' deal. So in the last lap, Tyler kind of broke free, but it was still it was down a battle to between those the other three, three for second. Yeah, yeah it and really and it's like Debrino's there fighting the fight on the KTM, and um, good dude, man. I, again, another guy who I got to see a lot during the off season. I really think a lot of that guy. He busts his ass, man. He's Riding stock thousand, and he's riding the the KTM in the hooligans. So yeah. um, works he's really hard man, with right? his program. He's ride anything, guy, dude. The guy he drifts, a, he drifts a car. He, he's he's, he's <laughs> pretty decent at Call of Duty. I'm just saying. Yeah, because Call of Duty with you, he drifts cars. Good dirt tracker. Because didn't he win the? He's I think he won the as a pet. Huh? Do what? He has a zebra as a pet. Come on. They they do at the farm where yeah, I don't know that. Parents That's farm. so sick. Yeah, no, he's he's got a zebra, dude. Yeah, yeah, you got to get on his get on his social media when he comes home. He's like, oh yeah, I can't remember the name of the zebra, but he's like, yeah, I'm back, and the zebra just comes running up to him and stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah. No, that's so sick. <laughs> well, no, but he's a guy I really like, and he'll be a guy as well that I think when he can just focus on stock thousand on a race weekend, he'll be up at the front with those guys. I really do believe it, and I watch that guy. I watch that guy load his bike his bikes and stuff. To drive all the way up to the Pacific Northwest to have him worked on. EDR up there works on his stuff. And then the guy drove all the way to where did he he went to Florida? Wasn't he in Florida for hooligans? Yeah. He won. I think he won at Daytona. Oh yeah. And the guy like yeah, just by himself he won at Daytona. leaves Washington or Oregon and just drives all the way across to you know to Daytona Beach. It's about the biggest drive you can do. Goes and wins the hooligan committed. race there. I mean, amazing. Yeah, he need he needs sponsorship though. The, the guy, the guy, kind of, you know, he struggles race to race, and that's that's the big thing. If if he can get on a program, people recognize it, like a lot of people, and he could do more of a consistent program. I think it'd help him. But he's got a lot of he's got great support from KTM. KTM, as a company, really like him. They they acknowledge his results. They you know retweet it. The president of KTM USA and you know knows about it and stuff. And so. Debrino's actually with KTM doing really good things for for Moto America and KTM for that relationship, which nah, is great too. It's, it's pretty cool, man. I like it, and congrats to him on a good start to the season. And let's just hope that he keeps that together. Are you going MotoGP or World Superbike? Because I got the rundown and I can't remember what what was next. Let's go MotoGP. Let's go MotoGP, and you know we can talk about the results really quickly because um, it. it was. I mean, you know, when you look at it's hard not to talk about fantasy when we talk about what happened in MotoGP. Um, because it was it was rather depressing. So they were in in Portugal, uh, Portugal, right? Portimao, yeah. And like I told you, Jason, uh, Fabio Quadraro wins on a Yamaha over Johan Zarco and Alicia Spargo again. Yamaha, Ducati, Aprilia, followed so by great. a Suzuki. Alex Rins, who came from, I'm pretty sure it was maybe France or he might even come from uh, from Germany. He was so far back. Uh, Oliveira <laughs> in fifth, right? So Jay Yamaha. Ducati, Aprilia, Zuki, Oliveira on a KTM, sixth place goes to Honda. 
uh, Mark Marquez. I mean, can you really get any better than that in terms of parity? Now, Marquez is 16 seconds back, just ahead of his brother. They were racing up Magnaia in eighth. He broke a wing, but also he came back. Paul Espargaro in ninth. Um, Vinales 10th and so on. I think that the biggest deal was is that they had rain and mixed conditions basically up until warm-up in the morning. I hate to break my arm by patting myself on the back, but I told you, take Quartararo in the fantasy because if you look at it, he won last year, and it is the least, it feels like anyway, it's the least changed bike in the paddock, so they're going to have the best setup numbers of anyone. And what happened, Jason? Tell well, me. we're tied now. I gave what you Renz at Coda, and he did good for you. You... I, I, and what Greg's talking about is a different fantasy than the one that we do with with um, the MotoGP yeah, side. This is Uncle Skip, Uncle Skip's one. And I put Fabio. I had to choose four riders in Quattararo. So, you know, to say that you were the one that gave me that, I probably would have put him in there anyways. But, hey, whatever. I'll give I'll give you the pat on the Don't back even if you start. want it. You were, you were in shut such up. turmoil. Just it was unbelievable. I mean, you were like a... You were like a oh, like a like a schoolgirl oh. trying to decide what color her prom dress is gonna be. Ah, no, pink. Oh, no, I'm blue. No, I get no, a red one. No, ah. I'm a schoolgirl. Oh, stop yeah. yourself. Um, exactly. So, anyways, <laughs> Quadraro was amazing, huh? Yes. I mean, yeah, look, he was, there's he two was things really that There's he, three three things I think you really. Well, there's like there's actually probably four things. First off, as great as Quadraro was, how good was Alex Rins from the back of the grid? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 9.63 off win, and he probably lost. Where did he qualify? Like 23rd? 23rd. Was he that far back? 23rd. And he got a little bit of a gift because Miller took out Mir. Those guys have big history, but I thought it was great. They just kind of like, hey, sorry. You know, it was one of those race incidents. Every single interview, Miller has been like, my bad, sorry. There's footage of him going into Suzuki apologizing. Everybody shaking his hand. like He's like 100% me. Okay, Such a good dude. Mir? Did you see what Mir ha- what Mir did though after they crashed? Yeah, the he did the crap? little. He did the little. He just a- Casey Stoner applaud, like nice work. It was. Pretty, but then I think, did you see how his attention went straight when he saw Jack wasn't getting up? His attention went straight to, hey, is he, I hope he's okay. And then it was like, yeah. Then they were yeah, both okay. And yeah. even he said, hey, it happens. We're on the limit. It is what it is. Move on. I mean, this championship is going to be so crazy to watch this year. <laughs> and I'll have you do the yeah. point standings in a second. I think. Um, that Prilia continues to keep impressing another podium for LH, which is awesome. Zarco was great all weekend, qualified on pole, and was able to turn that into a result. It seems like every weekend we got a different Ducati rider doing something. Now, I'm going to say one thing, Greg, and I'm not in the paddock. You're not in the paddock, but I'm going to say everybody's got this big, like, freak out about the Honda. Oh, the Honda's not as good as everybody thought it was going to be, and the Honda, and the Honda, and the Honda. Listen, it's a new bike. They've been pretty good at a lot of the other tracks, like Jerez when they test and some of the other places that they have been, right? So mm-hmm. I look at it like the Honda doesn't did it really get a fair shake there at that track because it is a new bike. And they got 20 minutes of dry track time before the race. Yamaha had notes from last year, basically unchanged. Ducati, basically unchanged. Um, Aleish. Basically unchanged. That bike just keeps getting better. And the Suzuki's, again, they got more horsepower, but they haven't really seemed to suffer from it. All it's done is make them better. I don't really think that everybody can get their backs up as much as they are. I think that the Honda is going to be there at the net, you know, this weekend in Jerez. I, I mean, I think that they're going to be right there. We'll see, but I think that Marquez will be closer to the front this weekend because if the weather's nice, it's going to be good. But MotoGP right now is so good. And so much fun to watch. Um, 
that again, it's another crazy podium. I don't think that the, any of the podiums we've had this year, anybody would actually be able to call. No, I mean, I think everybody was surprised. I mean, I wasn't surprised Quattararo won, honestly. I, I could kind of see it coming. I think the big surprise was Rin's charge. You know, the the crash was another bit of a shocker. I mean, you got to look at Aleish and go, great. I mean, here's the championship. Quattararo all of a sudden leads this thing uh, based on race wins over Rins, but they're actually tied at 69 points Crazy. apiece. And Aleish is still in the mix. He's still there. He's only three points behind Bastianini, who had a disastrous weekend in his own right. Yep. Uh, he's only down by now eight points. It's nothing. And Zarco is 10 points adrift. So, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, there is a bit of a separation now between Zarco, Mir, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Mir's obviously points finishing, you know, tally and collecting all those points was was hindered by by Miller taking him out. But so I don't think we're done in this championship. I don't necessarily no. think that Quattararo Rins, Espargaro, and Bastianini is, are going to be the story for the rest of the year. I do think that Mir could make a push, and I definitely think that Zarco could make a push. What is surprising is Miller in ninth and Bagnaia in tenth. Well, Bagnaia, right now They're you all, look at it and you go, "Well, I can make a, I can make a, I could, I can make an argument right now that the top six: Quattararo, Rins, Espargaro, Bastianini, Zarco, and Mir. The champion's going to come from those six. I don't think that. Binder or Oliveira quite have the consistency. I don't, and I think the same about Jack. So those next three and seven, eight, nine, a little bit too far back. Bagnaya is 38 points back now, I believe it is. So when you are 30, yeah, 38 points back, that's a big haul at this point. Now I know the championship is really, really long. Bagnaya hasn't really had a good result yet. And he had a big crash. No. He had a big crash on Saturday that I mean, he rode great to get back to where he got back to. Again, Marquez and him are both 38 points back. If I put you on what's the spot... Shocking, if, what, here, here, here's ahead. what's shocking. What's shocking is Vinales is only six points back from Marquez. Uh, so Maverick Vinales is only six points back from Marquez, Bagnaya, and Jack Miller. It's insane. Like, would you would you have ever thought that? In no. this, like this, this is this is the things that I'm talking about. Yeah. Or how good Morbidelli really is on a motorcycle. There's something going on with Franco that's beyond beyond the Yamaha because somebody said something in in the press today that said that um, that um, Quattararo is the Marquez of Yamaha, meaning <laughs> Quattararo is the only one that can ride a Yamaha. Okay, I understand that, but it, but it wasn't always the case. Morbidelli before he got hurt could was, ride it. And, yeah. In fact, and so. Where we're going this weekend, he finished third last year. Yeah, so it's it's. I'm waiting for his emergence as well, but it's a very interesting championship. I don't think that Zarco will play out in the championship. If you looked at those front, it's going to come between Quattro, Rins, Aleish, and and I believe Juan Mir. Those are going to be the guys. Aleish showed extreme consistency. Mir, mm-hmm. Mir has extreme consistency too, and more or less, even if he gets passed for second, I believe he would have got third place points there. Which would have put him, um, I believe, at 55 in this case, which would have kept him kind of in it. Um, but I think that when you look at the points, guys, Quattararo, Rins, um, Mir, those are your three guys that are going. They're they're hard earners, man. They're going to make you points every weekend. I think. Yeah, and there's and there are more mistakes coming. You know, I from agree. all from everybody. There, yeah. there's yep. nobody that's not going to fall off the motorcycle between now and the end of the season. Something yep. is going to happen. Racing is too close, so it's not. You know, there's there's still a ton of racing to go. 
Yep. So. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. But, so, MotoGP again this weekend in Jerez. Going to be, yeah, just going to be unbelievably good. Greg, let's talk about Moto2 real quick. Obviously, a lot of controversy there. But give the guy his props, man. Joe Roberts, huge congrats. Let's not forget, he beat the guy who's, winning, who's leading the championship right now. Viette has to be sitting there and just going like, how lucky am I? You know, Lowe's goes out by no fault of his own at Coda. Kinect crashes while leading at Coda. Viette ends up crashing himself before, I think he crashed before Kinect. So I think Lowe's got taken out first lap. Viette crashed some five laps later and then Kinect crashes. So for Viette, it's like he's had some opportunities to really lose some points. Then at this race, well, you saw it. Half, like, the, I think it was eight guys got crashed out on the s- second corner on what, like, lap 10 or eight or nine because of some weather that had come in. Um, and Viette somehow makes it through that, as does Joe. Joe said he was lucky to not crash there as well. Joe goes on to beat Viette by two and a half seconds. I love Joe's interview after he's saying, I was just screwing up everywhere my last two laps. I was running wide here, <laughs> running wide there. Couldn't believe that he was. You got to think that for Joe Roberts, there's no way in his wildest dreams that he think that he was going to be winning a race in Moto2 by five seconds. He probably felt like it was going to be a last lap lunge somewhere for Joe to win a first race in this class, but he ends up controlling the pace after Dixon crashed right in front of him. Viette, Navarro, Schroeder, Manuel Gonzalez, who was in, I believe, Supersport category last year, World Supersport, he ends up uh, fifth, Alcoba, Furman Aldegar, who wasn't really a player this weekend, who I've had a lot of props for, but he ends up seventh, Greg. Ben Snyder, Baltus, Rodrigo end up rounding out the top 10. SDK ends up 13th, gets his first championship points uh, on the board. So, I mean, look, Greg, when you start talking about race controls and race direction, I've gone back and I've looked at this. I don't know. There's 13 seconds between the first guy crashing and the last guy crashing. I got to think that when you see the first three guys go down, you are immediately going red flag. I got to think in my brain, you're going red flag. Maybe we could have saved a couple of those guys at the end from crashing had they done that. What's your take on it? I I can't really sit there and go race direction was at big fault here. No, not in this particular case. MotoGP is designed with all of their homologated tracks and how much effort they put into safety, the amount of people that they get to work in corners you know, the, the, the doctors in each corner, all that kind of stuff, they are designed to not red flag. Right. You know, so, so the, the, I have to imagine in race control, the thought is not immediately red flag. And it wouldn't surprise me if they just said, okay, there is a possibility. We've actually seen it in Moto America where we had three riders go down in the front and there was nothing there. It was just a, one of those weird incidents where everybody kind of got sucked in. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that the first three go down and they don't do anything, but once the yard sale started to happen, you know, the red flag did come out pretty quickly, but it's, I don't know, it, it's so fast. Turn one, turn two, that whole area. It's so just it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. Yeah, I just think that when you see the leader go down in the fashion that he went down and obviously there's something on the track, right? That was such a violent crash. And then you see second go down and third go down. And you go like, immediately, it's like, you got to think that there's somebody there watching that that can hit the button and go red flag, like right now. I think that they could have saved maybe five or six seconds, maybe prevented two or three riders from going down. But I mean, look, at things are happening so quickly, Greg, and you're trying to decipher, whoa, what is actually happening? That race from the start had raindrops going. So 
you got to think that they were ready. Somebody had to be there ready to go red flag, red flag if it if it happens, right? So could they have saved a few guys? Yes. Now, yeah, maybe. I, can you explain to me mm-hmm. the five-minute rule? Do you even know it? Yeah. I mean, other I than you have to get your bike back there in five minutes. Yeah, you have to get it back to the greater park for a mayor, whatever it is, in five minutes. Or Yeah, it's the same thing. Remember Sykes? Sykes wins the race, crashes in the oil in World Superbike a couple years ago oh, and didn't get God, back right. to the pit in time. Do you remember that situation? How just stupid is that. Right? Like literally right. the race I, is I can't over. remember where that was. Was that at Donington? I know. I remember it was, yeah, it might have been because I remember the downhill. Like it was just the downhill right-hand I corner. I do remember like that, that. Like couple corners from the end at Donington or something. Yeah. This is that same FIM rule. Uh, and I think we have it as well, but don't quote me on that. I haven't read that part of the rule book. So, I mean, I, I understand. It's not like it's a new rule. It's been around a while, but this is what happens. Whatever ha- whatever was on the ground, we're going to say it's rain, caused all those people to crash. And this is what you had that didn't start. So only 15 people finished the race because I think you had what? Jake Dixon crashed out on lap one, and then you had he uh, crashed. Antonelli crashing yeah. out. They, he crashed out on the restart. Right? He crashed on the restart. On the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Lapping sorry, restart, sorry. Right? Okay, yes, on the restart. So who you yes. had that did not start was Iogora, yeah, Lowe's, boy. Acosta, Canet, yeah, Fernandez, Arenas, Van der Gerberg, Ramirez, Chantra, Arbelino, Corsi, and Cameron Bobier, who had led a lot of the race, was in a very comfortable second at that point. So the the, the problem that I have with that rule is, and I'm not taking anything away from Joe Roberts, no. because post-race, Joe Roberts said... He had a feeling that when these raindrops started to fall a few laps before, he's like, there was something telling me just don't push so hard because he, through his experience, knows, and I'm not saying Kinnett doesn't know this, but through his experience, he said, that particular track, you could have a rainstorm falling in one corner and you wouldn't know it till you got there. And so no matter what you say about Joe, I don't care if you think he's telling the truth or not, he said it. And he said, I rolled out of it a little bit because this and boom, it proved to be right. And he got the restart and he checked out and it's like, okay, fine. But guys like that, like they got hung out, you know, I mean, you're relying if you're in second place, if you're Bobia, you're relying on Kinnett's pace. And I think if you look at it, even though Kinnett got hurt and had to have some surgery, it looked like violently crashing. The worst was Bobia in that whole situation. Would you agree with that? I would uh, say I that speak- I think Kanet's crash was bigger. He got intertwined with the motorcycle as it went into the barrier. Like oh, he is was that actually why he ended up getting hurt. Yeah, like his was violent, and that Greg is the Dude, reason. He's, ar- he's already on the bands, by the way. Oh my god, it's yeah, insane. Surgery. He's I, already he's already got it. Yeah, I was wondering if that was posted prior or after. I couldn't even believe Ooh. that that was a, like when they showed him doing that. I was like. Are you kidding? Like he's so already the bar doing on the that bands, stuff? like the, a bar that's wide enough to be like 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 handlebars, handlebars. Yep. And and he was already. I was like, dude, what what is going on here? Anyway, it's insane. Yeah. Anyway, so I talked. Listen, I talked to Bobier. Bobier is not. He's not. Um. You know, he's not upset about it. Whatever. What he is excited about, Jason, is the fact that he showed pace. And yep. I asked him about Jerez, and he just said, "Look," he just said. Jerez is a home track for just about everybody in our paddock. So it's it's a difficult race, and he's going to do the best he can. But I said, what can I say on the podcast that's different? Like, what's going on in the last couple races? And you know what was interesting, Jason, was he said that in the he started the year with uh, with 
a throttle body that was run by cables. So just say like a GSX-R600, where yep. you twist the grip, you pull cables, opens up the throttle. They've actually switched back. In the rules, they're allowed to switch back to a, basically a throttle-by-wire system, a digital throttle. And he said he feels more connected to the motorcycle with the digital throttle. And after I talked to him, I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, you know what? I mean, all those years he was on the R1 and the Superbike, I believe those are all throttle-by-wire stuff. I mean, you know, Stamboli's listening, so he'll correct me, but I'm pretty sure... You know, I mean, the R6 has been throttled by wire forever and ever and ever. So I have to imagine the R1 is. Yep. So it's it's been the biggest thing for him. And, and the other thing that we talked about that you know is his discipline to just not rush the corner, dude. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, you cannot race a Moto2 bike by diving bombing into the corner. It's about, it. what did he say? It's about, not about completing the corner. Oh, man, I meant to, I meant to write it down, but I was actually out at my club. But he's like, it's about... All you think about is is finishing the corner and how you get out of it, mm-hmm. you know, and then you work backwards through it. So he said he's really starting to come to grips with that. His confidence is very high. And um Yeah, but this case really here, Greg, right, he saw he saw the pace. Like this is the race that I think Coda was fine, but he was fifteen seconds back or whatever when he was fourth and fell over. Okay. This one here, he was actually helping set the pace. Guy got pull. Like, let's not take that out. Let's let's not forget too that that wasn't he he was pole position, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, he was second place. Was he Wasn't second? He? He, ah. was, he was second. Yeah, he was second, yeah, he was second here. But pole, pole, Coda. Pole at Coda, here, so and then he was second row. here. But he saw the pace. He was running the pace. He could see the pace, and Kinnett wasn't getting away from him. So, you know, all that is nothing but positives. He's going to go in there now knowing he's raced against all the guys that have been able to be, be as competitive as they are. So, look... I hate the five-minute rule. I think it sucks. I think if they're going to have a big, long delay, like, like guys get their bikes back together. It's already dumb enough we don't have a two-bike. The, the, the one-bike rule, I already hate anyways. The two-bike, and I know these guys were already five or six laps into the race, eight laps into the race, whatever. But you got to give these guys a chance to get their bikes back. This was a circumstantial thing. This isn't like... Anyways, I just get frustrated at some of that. Regardless, it is what it is. Um, Moto2 back this weekend as well. Championship in that category right now is pretty wild too because we've had so much destruction and so much craziness happening in that class, Greg, that um, when you look at it right now, Vietti's got 90 points. Your boy Agura is second with 56. So, I mean, Greg, he's got a 34-point lead. This was a huge result for Vietti knowing that all these other guys didn't finish. Agura didn't finish. Aubrelino didn't finish. Joe Roberts jumps up to fourth in the championship. Kinnett, who was a championship contender, Obviously, he's tied with Joe for fourth right now. Chantra, Navarro, Schroeder, Sam Lowe's, who's had two horrendous, um, really through no fault of his own results, the last two races. He's, he's stuck on 35 points, Greg. He's had no results the last two. And, and Jake Dixon there, who's a race winner, or a potential race winner also, Dixon on the podium at Coda. He's 10th right now. So when you look at it, Greg, it's like it's Moto2 right now. They're going to need some slipping up from Viette, and we know how competitive that class is. A long way to go. Let's go to Moto3 race. Um, Sergio Garcia wins it just barely over Masia. My guy Sasaki, who I'm I'm hoping wins, he ends up third. Anchu, Guevara, Tate, uh, uh, Carlos Tatai, uh, Mino, Faggio, Kelso, and Marrera are the top 10 in that one. Um, again, a very interesting race because Dennis Faggia, who's kind of the guy that everybody earmarked, he ends up eighth in this race, Greg. Not really a factor. Came from a long way back. Almost looked like 
and this is what I kind of love about him. It almost looks like he kind of went, okay, this is a bit of a crazy race. It's a bit of a crazy season. And because he came from a long way back, he got seventh. He got his points. Garcia leads over Foggia by one point right now. Hmm. Interesting. That's yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, it's Moto three. It's Moto three. Anything can happen. Yep. It's a good. It's a good championship. Not a ton to talk about there. One hour and fifty five minutes. Jimmy, jeez, I'm gonna. It's gonna take me a lifetime to edit this. Do you want to do a world superbike podcast tomorrow? No, I don't. Want to do, <laughs> I can't. I have my tournament this weekend. I've We've only got to, another I've got to hour. Focus on that, you know. <laughs> well, we, we yeah we do because as we move to World Superbike and they were in uh, Assen, you know, it's the Motul Dutch Round. In race number one, it was Johnny Ray over uh, Bautista by a tenth of a second. Razgat Liag with I mean, Jason. That was Saturday. That seems so far away from me. It what a race that was! Unreal. Locatelli, Lakawona, Baz, Odal, Gerloff, and P8. In the Super Pole race, which happens on Sunday, it was Razgat Lioglu over Alex Lowe's and Johnny Ray. So finally, Lowe's back in action. He loses by only four tenths of a second over Razgat Lioglu. Are you, are you on crack in... right now? What do you mean? Are you doing crack? I'm just curious. Why? Because Razgat Lioglu didn't results? win the Super Pole race. Ray won it. It was results? It was Ray Razgat Lioglu oh, Batista. I'm, see, I'm saving your ass again. Ray Rizgatiaglu Batista in the Super Pole race, G-Dub, with Locatelli, Lacavona, uh, uh, Baz, Gerloff, Rinaldi, Bassani, and Odal. Alex had issues in the... What am I looking the, at? I, I don't know. Probably two years ago results. Who knows? I, I got... Um, Lowe's, Lowe's had a... Remember when we were watching the first race and I said, I bet you like maybe something got thrown up? Alex actually confirmed that, that there was a hole... Um, in yeah, the, the oil rock, cooler or whatever rock because Locatelli ran off in front of him, spit up a rock. Yeah, and then yeah, the yeah. second race he had a technical difficulty, which we know what that probably means in the Super Bowl race. So he had an issue in both those. Came back to finish fourth in race number two. Uh, oh, I looked at Super Pole, not Super Pole race. That yeah. was my problem. I'm like, I'm looking at something that says Super Pole. Yeah, I got you, G Dub. There's, I'm missing the word race. I'm yeah. here for you. Okay. I'm here for Thanks, you, Thanks, brother. You know what Thanks, I mean? Brother. I got you. I'm always yeah, here. No, so the I final results, third race, G Dub, by Batista, Locatelli, Lacawona, Lowe's, Redding, Bassani, Rinaldi, Vandemark. Wow, what a heroic effort by him this week. Um, coming back from a broken leg, Vierge and Absolutely. Lucas Mayas end up rounding out the top ten. I mean. Look, right now there's a clear there's three guys right now, Batista, Rasgatioglu, and Johnny that we know are, you know, they are kind of setting the pace in every one of these races. I mean, look, we're gonna talk about this race two incident real quick, uh, if we can make it real quick. I don't know if that's even possible. Um, when you look at what is the points right now, G Dub? I'll have you do that. Is it Batista? One hundred and nine. Yep. One hundred and nine from Batista. Ninety-one for Ray and only sixty-four for Razgat. How does Razgatioglu only have sixty-four? Did he not finish another race somewhere besides this one? Yeah. Um. He. he I'm, DNF'd, I'm lost. Um, Did he DNF somewhere in the first the first weekend? I thought. I thought the first weekend he finished third in every race, and then this one he DNFs. I get it, and he finished third on Saturday. Finished third Super Pulse. Maybe he just lost a bunch. I don't know. But at 64 points, seems like he's a long way back, doesn't it? Um, it does seem that way. Yeah. But but Batista, this is the thing that's great about, the, you know, everybody goes back to 2019, so I'm going to do that as well. Batista right now, as good as his bike is, everybody else has made that step. The racing is fair now. The racing is actually fair. So when you look at it now, and you look at the tenacity that these three guys are riding at, 
Batista and Johnny Ray, to me personally, look like they have a little something more than what Rosgatiaglu has. And when you think about the, the big difference right now, number one, the Cowie's a little bit faster, which is great. The Yamaha, the Ducati's been the same, hasn't it, G-Dub? I don't think the Ducati's made any big, big, big any big steps, jumps. but they've done quite a, it's a different bike than it was in 19, but they just keep it, adding little bits, it keep is, refining it, refining it. But it doesn't have the huge advantage. Like right now, the rules seem pretty good for me. Um, like my opinion matters. Um, but the Cowie definitely <laughs> has made a step. They've made a step though with the Cowie in a couple spots. And braking now, which is incredible, Top Rack had such a big advantage under braking over the last year or so. That's what he's known for. He's known for being able to get into corners deeper. Nobody was going to beat him into a corner. Now it looks like Johnny has the potential or the ability to do that. Batista still does a really nice job of taking advantage of the Ducati, which is great um, as far as the straight line speed. But he's still riding the, the shit out of it. Um, and when you look at this accident, <laughs> it's a race incident. Now both guys are kind of, of both guys. Not are, a lot of people saw it, Jay. Yep. Ta- tell us, tell us what happened. What, what you know? Well, because the, the, there are more people that don't get to watch a superbike. First off, I don't know how with all the cameras that we have, there's not like a really clear, really great view of any of this. That's insane to me. They were probably off shooting people in the garage or something like that. Who knows? Um, but it was a camera cut. World Superbike is closer to us in terms of how many cameras they have available. I understand. Versus almost double the course cameras of MotoGP. But I've seen I've seen guys come out of turn one, go to turn two a million times. When you got three leaders at the front, it should be, it should literally be where it's at. So, camera cut, fair enough. <clears throat> Just it blows me away. So, here's the thing. I can't really put fault on anybody, and I'm not. I don't want to put fault on anybody. You but still I'm, haven't told us what happened. Top Rack Resgatiaglu gets into turn one with Ray and Batista right behind him. Top Rack outbreaks himself and gets in there a little bit too deep, which means that by the time he gets to the curbing on the left, he's got his bike probably slower mile an hour wise than he has been the entire race because he's trying not to maybe run off the track and or keep his lead. Fair play. Johnny Ray, green though. Paint. Huh? What's that? Green paint. Oh, green paint. Yeah, well, so the second thing is is the amount of distance that Top Rack normally in the past pulls on Johnny Ray and Batista going into the corners. I don't know. Maybe he thought he had a bigger gap than he did. But Johnny gets to the apex of the turn, and he's going to take his normal line, and he's going to do whatever. These guys race against each other every weekend, every single weekend. And you don't really see any true animosity between them in the sense that I think that the teams on either side create more animosity than the actual riders do. Top Rack and Johnny both seem a bit passive. Both accepted it as a race incident. Both wanted to take a little jab at each other. But if I'm Johnny, my opinion is this. I feel that when a rider runs wide in front of me, that he needs to keep it out there a little bit longer. Like you can't just start to merge back, okay, immediately. Like you have to be, you can ride on the paint over there. And I'm not saying that, again, it's hard for me to say this without signing bias. I'm not biased in the sense that Top Rack got out onto the paint. He didn't go over the paint and from the angles that I've seen from on bikes. That's all I got. And But the merging back on when you know you've got two riders right behind you that are, that are, are going to be approaching you fast, you want to stay on that paint for as long as you can just to make sure that you don't jump back into the line that guys are going to be on that are going quick. 
Johnny kind of, I think, was probably expecting Toprak to stay to the left a little bit longer than he did. And then maybe Toprak would jump in back behind him. Um, in this case, if you look at Johnny actually, to me, has the front wheel and stuff past top rack as top rack is merging back onto the racetrack. Um, and Batista was lucky enough not to collect either one. To me, it is absolutely 100% a true racing incident. I think that both riders, I think top rack probably thought Johnny can see me out here. He'll probably give me room. Johnny probably thought top racks on the paint. He'll probably stay on the paint until I go through and then jump in behind. These are all split section, split second reactionary decisions that you're making. And these guys get it right 95, 98% of the time. In this particular time, they were both a fraction off and the incident between those two took place. I don't feel, <laughs> I know there's no like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, G-Dub? It's not like, Neither one of Malice? them are trying. Yeah, neither one of them are trying to be over aggressive with each other. Neither one of them are trying to give each other less room. It was just one of those things, and I think that when you when you get into a corner like that and you're in there too fast and you're breaking, you're breaking, you're breaking, you're just trying to stay on the track. I mean, and then the paint comes up, and you're like, then you're on the paint. At that point, I almost guarantee you, it'd be really interesting to look at Top Rack's data. From where he was merging back onto the track, I'd be really interested to know what his mile an hour is at that point compared to what it would be in every other lap. I bet you it's five mile an hour less when he was out on the paint. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and throttle position and all that kind of so stuff. You have, yeah. So you but have look, a speed think, discrepancy think, between the two at that point, right? And then yeah. you got to be careful when you there, get back on in no, that situation. There's no controversy. I, I don't understand there why people are making a big deal. Number one, all it really is is two riders who have a very similar mindset when they're racing. They know what each other's going to do. It's almost like they put it off. If I'm a little bit wide here, I know that he's going to do this. So I might as well do that. It's not, it looked like to me that Top Rack had a different idea than Johnny had. That was it. And then they came in together. In a split second decision, down. correct? In a split second decision. Yeah. But yet all these people are going to sit there and say, oh, this guy was... A well, that's all tainted because you're a fan of Rascott Lialgo. You're a fan of Johnny Ray. Correct. And it... It is a clear definition of, and you know what? Race control didn't do anything, right? They didn't, they didn't do anything. <laughs> no. They said, race, they said race incident, and I agree with it. I actually think that part of the reason why this happens in the background is because of that freaking green paint, because Razgatliaglu got in there deep. He outbraked himself. He goes wide, but he didn't want to get out on the green paint. And it's almost like you want to save your one penalty, right? Just in case later in the race you need it. It's like a weird thing. So... Again, that that aside, I just think it's a racing incident. I think it's no big deal. I think we are where we are. If you go to world, worldsbk.com and you listen to the interviews, they have like immediately after what Razgatliago said, immediately after what Johnny said, and more or less, they both say the other guy's responsible for it. I'm like, okay. Yeah, but, but, but what are they going to say? You know, like at the end of the day, yeah. it's, it wasn't a clear-cut thing like Jack Miller going underneath me and taking him out. That, that was like... Jack was like, hey, my hand is up. I screwed up. I made a mistake. I took him out. I feel bad I took out Mir, this and that. In this case, look, these guys race against each other that tight every single every single weekend. you got to be shocked that doesn't happen more, but it doesn't. I think both Seriously. those guys, when they were sliding along the pavement, because were, both, they're that good. were both shocked at it. And it's, it's a split-second decision that is one of those deals where it just didn't pan out this time. It didn't, it didn't work. It didn't. And, and here's the bottom line about World Superbike. 
it's going to continue on with great racing. And with, with the amount of races they have left, if there are other mistakes made, I will not be surprised because I'm surprised it hasn't happened this way before. Yeah. These guys race so close. They're so good. They have such command over the motorcycle and they have respect for each other and themselves and their and teams. Their teams. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like it's like, yeah. eh, you know, so no big deal. But if you're missing it out, you're a moron. Go to worldsbk.com. If you're not watching World Superbike this year, my God. Yeah. I mean, oh, what do you, what do you even, a, are you a fan? So when you look at it, Greg, a couple good stories, I think, uh, for the, for the weekend. Um, I thought it was nice to see Lekawona put in some solid rides on the Honda. He obviously did very, very well. Um, getting that bike up to pace this weekend and getting closer. It's good to see a team like that on the podium, especially Lekawona, who's gone through a lot of trial and tribulations the last few years in MotoGP. Locatelli stepped up, second best, um, you know, in the in race two. Batista, which is class of the field, obviously smoked everybody. Alex ends up finishing fourth in race two, which was good. Redding as well. I think that that's another good result for BMW. He was closer. Um, I mean, after that just horrendous weekend that Scott had at um, uh, Aragon, I thought it was good to see him come back and and do what he did. Uh, at he this said it was like weekend. he said it was like riding an alligator. By the way, it was his comment on. You know who uh, you reminded me of saying that? Who? Danimal. Danimal telling me his bike handles like spaghetti. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? What does riding an alligator mean? I haven't actually got to read what this means as far as. Riding well, an alligator? I mean, if you think about how, like, how, like maybe, maybe how how fast they twitch, you know what I mean? Like, ah, like all of a sudden the thing just unwinds itself. I don't Is that know. right? Just speculate. Yeah, that's cute. I, I mean, that's what I would imagine riding an alligator's like. I, I just don't ever really want to find out. No, I, don't, I have no interest in riding an alligator. So, yeah, but I don't either. I think that all right, uh, all right, so, where are they at next? Are they at Estoril? Uh, I mean. Is it no? Is it Estoril? I think it's Estoril. I know that they're racing the same weekend. We're at VIR, and they are at Estoril. All right, yes. So in so World Supersport, I didn't get May to see 20th. the second race, but Agurta won the first race by absolutely. Oh my gosh! So the new rule. Did you watch World Supersport at all? I didn't get a chance. No. Okay, so I, I only watched race one, GW. I didn't get to see race two. So I know Agurta. I think he doubled. But what's what's crazy about the World Supersport race is you know the new rules in regards to uh, the red flag and how it's like the positions kind of freeze of wherever you're at yes. when you come yes, across the line, right? Yeah. So yeah. so basically, and I'm trying really hard here to give you some accuracy, but he wins the race over, oh gosh, what's his, what's his name, G-Dub? I'm losing it. Baldessari? No, hold on. Just give me Bulliga. one second. No, no, no. I, I yeah, got to no, get it right. Um, Van, Stra- Van Stralen. He's from he's from Holland. Oh, Van Stralen. Van Stralen. Yeah, okay, Van Stralen. so Van Stralen's leading. Glenn Van Stralen. He's leading. Okay, he's leading, and with three corners before the finish line, with like four or five laps to go, Agurta goes underneath him and leads across the lap. They get to turn one. The red flag comes out. Like mm. like Agurta literally got lucky because if he'd have wasted. You know, he's kind of sat behind um, Vestralen for for better part of like six, seven, eight laps. And Vestralen leads every lap. And then they come across the line on that one specific lap. <laughs> and ends up, poor guy ends up losing the race, um, which, yeah, was a bummer. So it's. But that's why Gerda's 30 points ahead in the championship, right? Correct. I, I, he's just, he's, he is good. He's definitely good. Well, no. And, and, you know, Moto the Ducati, back, the Ducati the way, was closer. Baldessari crashed out in the first race. Um, mm. 
He kind of turned into the Balda from Moto2. So he crashed out in the first race. Anchu ends up third in the <laughs> second race. Um, Bulaga. So the Ducati here is 4.9 back. So they, they definitely found a little something. I like the fact that Hans Sumer finished uh, fifth and Monzi finished sixth, both on street triumph triples. But they were 17, 18 seconds back. You got an MV Augusta in seventh. So Greg, you have a you have a Yamaha that wins first and second, Cowie third, Ducati. Then you have two triumphs and an MV Augusta. So you had two MV Augustas in the top 10. So there's there's a lot of diversity in that class right now over there, which is good. And then as far as World Super Sport 300, G-Dub, I hate to say it, but I didn't see any of it. I don't know if you did. Um, no, I didn't see any of it, yeah. but Diaz kind of run. He's, he's He's got eight points over Mark Garcia at the moment. Two Yamahas lead over a Kawasaki KTM. Crazy. So, uh, yeah, I've got to get caught up on, on World Super That's Sport. That's okay. Career. Well, well this isn't it's, the week it's for it, so but. hard when Greg and I are on the road to kind of watch all this stuff. We we do do our best. Well, especially when there's Supercross, MotoGP, World Superbike, and us all going and on. And then we got to get all our fantasy and, picks in and all that craziness. So, <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, yeah, when we start looking at things, Greg, there's some racing this weekend, as we know. MotoGP Fantasy for the week uh, was interesting. Um I made a big jump this week, which was great. I, I made some major moves and some major changes in my fantasy league teams itself. I had a good weekend, though, because in RM Fantasy and Supercross, I killed it. And then in Moto and Uncle Skip's Fantasy, I killed it. And But I'm struggling still a little bit in our fantasy, G-Dub. How'd you do? Well, I mean, I, I, slipped, no, I slipped big in our fantasy from like 46th oh. down to 99th, but... That's right, because Greg comes yeah, into the I mean, Greg comes into the yeah. booth. Greg comes into the booth before we did our standups on Sunday morning. He goes, "I'm so pissed off right now." <laughs> I'm so yeah, pissed off pissed. right now. Yeah, uh, Fight Club leads the way in the in the pool with one turbo left, still and three WSMC championship, three two turbos left in second. Forty seven year old rookie in third. Meast Racing, Risky Business uh, on down the list. Um, all right, Jay, let's see. Go ahead and give GW, you know what's funny? You know what's great? Is I was laughing face. because I was on the plane coming home Sunday and I got, you know, thanks for getting me to the airport quickly and, and all that. We didn't get to talk about why you park under trucks. We'll do it next week. That'll be a fun one. No, that's a we'll that's a that that's Chuck's I thought that was the best that was such a great text that Chuck sent me. Um but when you look at it, it's um I was laughing because I know you've done this in the past, but I was loading our fantasy league deal. And just kind of, dude, there's some names that are just, I was sitting on the plane laughing. Dude, they're the best. If you just sit there and look at oh. it, yeah. So right now, right now we have uh, 328 people that are participating in the league. So Jason, give me a number between one and 328, please. Oh my God. Let's go with, let's go with 127. All right. Let me, let me load this. Does that make here. you have, you have to please. load it a bunch, right? To do that? Did no, I kind of hose you? It doesn't take, No. Okay. I have the fast internet because you can only load ten at a time. Would you say one twenty-seven? Twenty-seven. One twenty-seven. I'm I'm doing That's it the same as you right now to see who it is. I'm going through them all. All right. So number one hundred and twenty-seven. That is going to be Chuck Dilla Racing. So Chuck Dilla Racing. If you are listening to this podcast, congratulations. You have won yourself a Moto America Live Plus code. Reach out to me on social media, and on Instagram seems to be the best at. Greg White TV, I think is what it is. Chuck Dilla Racing, you've won yourself a free Moto America Live Plus subscription. I will get you the code and all that kind of stuff. If you already have one, which we hope you do, 
You can either give it away to someone else or put it back in the pool. So Chuck Dilla Racing, 127th wonder, in the league. I wonder who that is. I, what's funny is I don't know. I'm looking at their team right now. They had a rough week too because they had, like you, they had uh, Bastianini. No, Bastianini. And Jorge Martin and DiGiantonio. Who had a so, miserable weekend. Tough yeah, weekend that's, that's for rough Chuck Dilla. So this will be a nice little... He did get 40 points with Bagnaya and 35 points. He or she... Uh, 40 and 35, so... Yeah, Chuck Dilla, you, you like Ducati a little bit? I mean, no you literally kidding, have huh? Ducati and four Ducati riders, so... Well, <laughs> they're ahead of me. That's 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 why you're in 127th. Yeah, they're ahead but of anyway. me. But anyway... How about Simon? Simon's 109th? He had a bad weekend, but he's... Sad. he's everybody's smoking me, G-Dub. I stink at this one, but I'm making a comeback. I did jump up. I think I'm like 160... 168th. I was 189, and I did... Because this is going to be fun to talk about now. I did get ahead of Ducati Fox. So she knows She knows I'm talking about her. Yeah, she knows. She knows. She definitely knows we're talking about her. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, if you win that league, by the way, if you join us, you win that league. You win yourself a Narai Corsair X of your choice in terms of color combination. By the way, the weather looks great in Jerez for the racing on the weekend. Congratulations in the Supercross Championship to... Chet Lawrence, who wrapped up the championship in Foxborough, where the New England Patriots play football. Congratulations Nobody on cares. that one. And what? Huh? And uh, in our in our Greg's Garage Pod Pulp MX League, Hucklebuck Racing continues to lead the way over Ajabuel. Rotten PM140. You guys got to make some moves here late because Hucklebuck Racing gonna walk away with a brand new Arai motocross helmet. So you. That'll be pretty cool if that happens. We only have, what, three, two races left? Three or I hope there's only two because I had a big weekend in RM Fantasy, like a big one. And that's great because I smoked Carruthers. Carruthers is just jabbing me all the time, and I smoked him in Uncle Skips. I smoked him in the other. So it's it's always good when you see Paul, and he's like F-bombing me. I love that because that means I've done something well. It's great. All right. That's it. Two hours and 17 minutes. Longest one we've ever done. Us. Thank you so much. I think I did a longer one when you were in the hospital in Australia, but I hate to bring that up. Uh, Just because you like to listen to yourself talk. That's why. You know what I mean? Can you say goodbye to everybody so I can get to editing this? (laughs) How long is it going to take you to edit this? Is it a two-hour show, two hours 17? It can take you four hours to do it? Nah, probably. Just let it run. Who cares? Can you hear hear this little tapping? Can you hear that? Just let it go, G-Dub. Just let it go. You're an asshole. (laughs) Hey, everybody. If you're still listening... Thanks so much for listening to me and G-Dub. If you have any questions, hit us up on social media. Enjoy the racing this weekend. We'll talk soon. See ya.